Talk Live. You are always invited to join the show. You can bring up anything you want to discuss here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you here tonight, it's Ian. And Jay Noon. And Jay is with us here. Uh, we Last week, Jay, when you were on the show, we got in depth into the trial that happened. That's right. Uh, the show trial, maybe? The sham trial? Whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was last week. Uh, it was actually the same day as the, the show that you were on last week, Thursday, and it's been a week since then now. Uh, the verdict came through over the weekend, as I understand it. Yep. The uh, man in the robe decided to issue his verdict later on. And while I was optimistic, um, you know, I was optimistic given that he said he was going to take it under advisement. And I've seen a lot of times where a judge taking a case under advisement means they're going to issue a not guilty verdict later. But unfortunately, that turned out to not be the case here, correct? Yep. And, and he wrote sort of a detailed uh, oh, verdict, too. And I, I forgot to bring that with me. In fact, oh, um, I'm surprised about that. That's interesting. I will. Uh, we'll get it and print it up here. Uh, okay. I think I got it digitally and, and we can uh, read that, too. Uh, yeah, I'm curious uh, yeah. that you know, a lot of times the judge gives a verdict. He doesn't have to explain his reasons for it. So I'm surprised that's what you received. Yeah. I'm, well, so I'm glad he re- explained it, because basically what he explained is that jurisdiction was proven. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the state had jurisdiction and that all um, elements of the charge had been, um, uh, you know, satisfied without a, uh, you know, without a doubt. Wow. And even the though child, quote unquote, child endangerment charge, right, the, even though the officer in the case who was on the scene claimed you, you had him admit that the child was not in danger. Yep. Yeah. He, those <laughs> words came right out of his mouth. So like, how mm-hmm. does that possibly mean that they've met the elements of the case? Well, also, what about jurisdiction? So mm-hmm. in, in under American jurisprudence, <clears throat> it is, you know, essentially uh, you have to, you know, in a criminal case, there's there, there's elements. I should have the six elements written down. But anyways, there must be an injury. You know, there must be uh, some kind of harm or loss. Right. And uh, we a- Who's asked the complaining the, party, uh, uh, a legal entity. Yeah. Uh, actually, the c- complaining party is uh, state and the definition of state. Um, uh, we can look that up, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, it just says the state is the District of Columbia, the United States. That's what the definition of state is, according to the New Hampshire Code mm-hmm. in their statutory construction. I believe it's uh, RSA 21.4 whatever. Uh, but anyways, the um, <clears throat> yeah, so the uh, complaining entity is just is just a piece of paper in a filing cabinet. That's right. all the state is. And, and, and I also asked a ju- uh, you know, I asked a cop, um, uh, what evidence he had that, uh, the New Hampshire RSA applied, you know, to, to my wife, Shallon. And he said, he didn't have he any evidence. Didn't have any. I, I couldn't believe that they didn't object to that question either. Right. And, they uh, didn't, and he answered it. And, and then also I asked him what evidence he had just because you're, uh, someone is standing on the land of the so- the soil of the land we call New Hampshire. That's New Hampshire code or, or 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 laws apply to them. And you know that was when he you know mouthed to the prosecutor, "Help mm-hmm. me!" And the prosecutor objected, and a judge overruled his objection because the prosecutor basically asked him a very similar question just before that, mm. and uh, he said, "No, there he didn't have any evidence." So right. you know, evidence of um, jurisdiction uh, needs to be. Uh, improvement like so for example like uh, you have Rahm Emanuel uh, and I forget the other guy's name the, the, the guy with the uh, 2008 he was the uh, 
don't know if it was a prosecutor or the uh, used attorney. to be the mayor of Chicago, didn't well, he? Well, Rahm Emanuel, but there was another guy who did yeah. a similar thing. So Rahm Emanuel says that they, they couldn't go after the banks and, and, and the cartels because they couldn't prove jurisdiction. They didn't have all the elements of the crime, even mm-hmm. though these guys committed all these crimes. Uh, with the 2008 financial crisis, uh, the prosecution was like, well, uh, we can't go after all these bankers because we can't fulfill all the elements of the crime. But what happens is the bankers, you know, uh, and 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 the government people, they're all, you know, hanging out in Jeff Epstein's Island together mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I'm Jeffrey Epstein's Island. I said Jeffstein. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so and they're all members of, you know, the same bar association. They're all which is basically, a you know, an employees union for lawyers. And they're right. all going to the same golf golf courses and hanging out and partying on the same yachts. So, you know, they just selectively enforce all these laws. Sure. But when it's but when you're someone that has, you know, uh, New, New Hampshire Health Freedom on the back of your car, and New Hampshire Health Freedom has been a real thorn in the side, you know, essentially to the um, state at you know at at the New Hampshire level and the police locally because, you know, how dare moms take their children to a city park while we're in a lockdown over a fake you know scamdemic. Um, you know, I'm talking about Rochelle Kelly and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, and those guys who got, you know, basically arrested, had warrants put out there for their arrest for taking their kids to the park, same exact police department and prosecutor's office, you know, put a warrant out for my you know wife and, you know, for, uh, the, uh, kid kidnapping in the car and, uh, what they, so everything's selectively enforced. So <clears throat> they, they're coming after us hard. And the other reason I think they're coming after us, uh, especially with DCYF is because, um, so, so we had our courtroom story hour, uh, last night and we did a whiteboard of everybody involved and all the people there are like, wow, you were targeted. You know, we just started all the names of everybody that's in, you know, all the information we got, all these government bureaucrats, you know, the witnesses, the whole nine yards. Uh, and I also believe we were targeted because we have very valuable children. Hmm. So in the adoption world, like my son, at the time, six months old, good-looking, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, healthy baby boy, and a two-year-old, healthy, you know, good-looking little girl, um, they're worth like fifty thousand dollars a piece to an adoption agency. Really? And uh, these, and so what? So, uh, so if you want to like go, um, you know, adopt a kid, you can go get all of the basically, um, you know, kids that have all kinds of issues, like they, you know, they're. They're five, six years old, seven years old, or even teenagers, and they've been getting abused and beaten, or you got, you know, kids that have, like, medical issues because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the mom was a crackhead, and, and you know, the kid was born with, you know, v- you know problems where they need, like, a lot of medical attention. Not worth uh, as much? Well, you can just get them, essentially, for free if you're willing to, you know, mm-hmm. adopt them, but for a kid that's healthy and has no issues, and especially blonde-haired, blue-eyed, you know, and white... Uh, those fetch a very, very high dollar amount. Like, like $50,000 is what, uh, uh, is, is what I was noticing. in when I was doing the research about a year ago, when I was looking into this and I mm-hmm. wasn't, I wasn't really that convinced that that was, you know, the situation that was going on. But after, um, you know, uh, looking into my case a bunch, uh, this week, uh, after knowing, you know, that the career Karen, uh, that, uh, that, that report that reported this at Donna Barnett, who, um, works for the government. Who works for the government. Works specifically for the prosecutor's yep. office in Merrimack County, which is the very same county that was bringing the charges against you. Yeah, and, and we did some internet looking into her. And uh-huh. uh, on Facebook, she says she's married to a guy named William Barnett. 
that doesn't look anything like the guy, Mark Barnett, who testified in court. As her husband. As her husband, which is very That's strange. weird. So I don't Maybe know. It's old information. Could be. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But like, you know, uh, how did she marry two dudes named Barnett? Did Mark Barnett take her name? Her married name? Uh, no, you know, yeah. or, you know. These I, days it could be. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. You know. And so anyways, um, we are. Uh, um, <clears throat> I'm going to hire a private investigator, it looks mm-hmm. like. Uh, talk to a couple on the phone. I got to do some more fundraising for some private investigators. Uh, we got to figure this out because there's something going on. Also, uh, there's a document, there's a couple documentaries out there called, uh, one of them is called save the babies. It's on band.tv. I don't think you'll find it on YouTube. Uh, there's another one called saving baby Cyrus and, uh, Cyrus is C Y, uh, R U S I believe. Mm-hmm. And, well, sometimes when I say Saving Baby Cyrus, they think I'm saying Cyprus. Uh, and and Saving Baby uh, Cyrus was about this baby that the family took out of the hospital because uh, they wanted to keep the hospital there. And then they charged him with medical neglect. So Jeez. so there's video. Where, where was this? Uh, Idaho. Wow. Maybe. That's crazy. Might be Idaho. One of those western states right around there. Damn. So, so they... Um, th- there's video where like these people are like rural people. They're like mm-hmm. out in their ranch. And, like, just this whole, like, line of, like, you know, police cars and, you know, state troopers, sheriffs and whatever. They Damn. just show up and they're like, we're taking the baby. We're taking it. And they just basically take the people's baby. <laughs> uh, they they, um, they arrest the mom. I think they arrest the father. Uh, they bring the baby to the hospital. And um, they say that they arrested him from, uh, they took the baby from medical neglect. And the, um, uh, and when the baby gets to the hospital, the baby is, like, basically discharged right away from the hospital mm-hmm. and given to because it was fine be, no well because the purpose was they had a family there waiting to adopt the baby mm-hmm. so what's happening here is is um th- right now we're living the prequel to the handmaid's tale are you familiar with that yeah uh, i mean I've, ne- I've never seen it but um bonnie told me a little bit about it. i think she read the book so the handmaid's tale i watched uh, i don't know whatever s- several years ago mm-hmm. on netflix it's basically like uh you know post-apoc well so anyways there was like an invasion i guess of uh or an uprising within the states and you know um canada was considered like the free area but like basically all of new england and down to like washington dc was you know sort of uh occupied by these extremist you know uh religious right-winger types and what they were doing was they were any of the women who were fertile were basically becoming slaves. Mm. And then the, the, the rich... And they'd have to have babies for the infertile rich people, right? For the infertile rich people in power. Mm. And um, so <clears throat> what's happened... but And what led up to that is the fact that everybody was basically sterile. And so mm. what's happening now is, um, you know, the sperm rates are extremely low. Um, there is the most amount of motherless women uh over 30 years old that there's basically ever been in recorded history in america motherless women? i'm sorry childless childless uh women motherless okay. women I'm sorry. got it childless women <clears throat> okay i'm not operating on a whole lot of sleep that's all right man. you're doing all right <laughs> so anyways uh the the um <clears throat> so it's the highest rate of childless women yep. that are like okay. over 30 or 35 right. and, you know in america Their right time's now running out the um the, the the sperm rates are you know ha- are are the lowest they've really ever been they've been falling off right um and then we have uh you know this whole culture in america of this you know um uh this you know um gender dysphoria you know whatever going mm-hmm. on they're saying have- that the is it generation z it's like one out of 
is it one out of six? Maybe more. It's at least like one out of six uh, Gen Zers are identifying as LGBTQ plus whatever the rest of the the letters are. So you're starting to see a whole lot more and, people and, that are and plus means pedophile, I believe. Um, and 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 at least according to uh, Klaus Schwab and a World Economic Forum, they actually. I'm not going to go into that right now, but uh, okay. the um, so so anyways, their their declines are on a, mm-hmm. are 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 really real. Uh, birth is on a major decline right now. Yeah, there's in, n- in it's not at a, what they would call the replacement rate. We've talked yep. about Japan; they've got a lot worse there yep. than here in the United States. And uh, uh, but the, the the trend is in the same direction. Wherein yep. I think it's the average family is having less than two kids mm-hmm. uh, in the United States. I think it's like one point eight or something like that so not quite to the point of replacement which means that the population will shrink over time if it continues in this direction i think japan's like 1.3 or something like that i'll I'll see if i can pull up the numbers so basically the lbgtq community um you know for obvious reasons because they're considered like non-breeders uh in fact i i know uh Mm -hmm. you know a lesbian couple that um you know, is kind of friends with me and they just, they jokingly refer to like me and my wife as breeders and, uh, you know, which is fine. We don't care, but anyways, they're, uh, cause we are, uh, and you know, we're in a breedum for freedom program. And I, one thing I got to say a lot, all my close friends, most, most of my close friends are, um, they got a bunch of kids. I mean, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, like for example, last, last Tuesday, you know, we had a bunch of kids over the house, um, and families and, um, there was, uh, you know, uh, Four moms there that had three to four kids, uh, for example, each, uh, and which is really great. And, you know, those, those moms are I'm always thanking people who got, you know, kids and families for for uh, keeping things going. But anyways, so uh, healthy children are extremely valuable in the adoption marketplace. And it is social workers that that that, that are working and run these adoption agencies. Um, so I'm thinking with the, you know, health freedom thing on, on, you know, on the car, the, you know, basically we were identified as free staters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, uh, we have this history of Concord police, uh, attacking free staters, attacking health freedom people. You know, you got, uh, J.R. Hole, for example, they basically, you know, wanted to round up his, you know, four kids, which are basically, I believe are all teenagers or maybe, you know, a little younger than that. Some of them. Yep. And, um, you know, over, to punish him for being a critic right, of right. Uh, DCYF. Yeah, and, and and he was been out speaking out against DCYF. Um, you know, long before, you know for for years, uh, and a lot of people have, and so have I. Uh, and well, speaking out against the state in general, and then you got, you know, the New Hampshire Noble Nine. They were, you know, and you know, uh, you know, pushing back against the federal money for the mandates. These guys were all arrested. You know, all people who, you know, there's not a single affidavit that exists that they hurt anybody. Um, <clears throat> All right, hold yeah. that thought. Yep. I, w- I got the statistics here, and it's not what I thought it was. I thought the number was births per family uh, being less than two, and that is not what they're measuring. They're measuring births per women, which in theory could be extrapolated to births per family, presuming the woman stays in the same family, but that's not necessarily what it's not what they're looking at here. I right? know many women that are my age, I'm 43 or thereabouts, yeah. that have children from one more than one three four five men yes no that's a lot of that going on uh so that that's not um and they're all on welfare yeah (laughs) pretty much right so we're not measuring per family here the number is 1.66 per 
per 2021's numbers. So that's the most recent, apparently, number. Um, as far back as 2007, it was 2.1 per woman. So 2.1 children per woman it is now 1.66. Back in 1961, it was 3.6. So it's gone down quite a bit yep. uh, since that time. So, and we got to get back to the, you, you mentioned Japan is happening in Japan. And, and mm-hmm. in a minute, remind me, we'll, I, I got some commentary on that. So, anyways, I, I believe we were targeted because we have these high value assets that the state, um, you know, has been able to, a, able to easily acquire from people in the past. Uh, so in these documentaries about um, child protective services and the uh, child trafficking and the um, child sex trade and all the children that just disappear that are in custody of child protective services, like the amount of children that disappear that are, are, are in custody of uh, DCYF is, is, is alarming mm-hmm. because what happens is, so with DCYF, nobody has access to any of these records because everything's sealed because it's all minors. Right. They have a whole separate family court, which technically isn't even really a court. Um, it's not public. That's for it, sure. It's, it's not public. It's not a court. They have ex parte hearings. Um, so like, you know, the the order that was, you know, uh, used to um, try to li- literally take my kids away um, uh, to <clears throat> uh, was an ex parte uh, order. N- nobody had any access to it, and it was full of lies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they went and they got a contempt charge. And and the order doesn't even name me as someone who's ordered to do something. It didn't name my wife. It named a uh, police officer was was supposed to like you know uh, do this assessment they call it. And right. and and this assessment also, if you do uh, in Save the Babies, they talk about how the how the federal government gives. Like a four to six thousand dollar paycheck is it, it's not clear exactly how much money, but it's different in different you know jurisdictions. For each time DCYF does uh, an assessment on a family, and then they get like a big chunk of money when DCYF does uh, uh, removes a kid from the family, they get like another several thousand dollars the federal government gives them, and then they get uh, a big chunk of money each month from the federal government. Uh, for these kids being in the custody of the state. So DCYF came at you guys a little while ago. About a year ago. Yeah, and they tried to come there with this supposed order, and you didn't let them in. Right. Um, You confronted them with a video camera. Yes. Uh, They brought police with them, but ultimately you did not. They wanted to actually interview your two-year-old, I think at the time, privately. Yep. Um, Thankfully, you declined that particular offer. And a lot of people will just do whatever it is they're told, and they get themselves deeper and deeper and deeper into this system. But you refused, and they seemed to back off, but then these criminal charges... Uh, yeah, uh, came at your wife. And so yeah. what I want to know is, and maybe you've already, I'm sure you've already considered this. Do you think DCYF is just trying another route here where they're saying to themselves, all right, well, they won't let us in voluntarily. So we'll bring a criminal charge of child endangerment against, in your case, uh, Shallon, your wife. Yep. If she's found guilty, and she has been at a bench trial, but you guys get to go uh, and appeal to a jury, yep. should you we wish. I believe you're doing today. that. Uh, so you have another shot at this, but let's say the jury comes back with a guilty, you know, worst case, right? Yep. Now, you know, odds are they're going to probably come back with a hung jury, hopefully, maybe not, maybe even a not guilty. So a guilty is a hard thing to get, but it could happen. So let's say the jury comes back with a guilty. Does that mean DCYF now has another arrow in their quiver to say, well, the people are saying that Shallon is a uh, child endangerer, and so therefore we should get to take the baby. Do you think they're going to try that? Um, they might try that, but uh, we'll back up just a hair. 
So back to that. Because you haven't been found guilty, but she has. Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and that's a clear kangaroo court. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the judge doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, based on his decision. And we're going to straighten this judge out. I'm going to have him sanctioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're How's gonna, that? Uh, how are you going to do that? We're, we're uh, researching how to do that. But we're going to file. There's a judicial conduct committee, I think is what yep. it's called. It's all just another bunch of judges. Right. So you'd have to convince the judges they're one of their buddies uh, has we, done something wrong. We have real clear um, stuff that we're putting together to convince based on the jurisdictional issues that were brought up. The fact that mm-hmm. the, the evidence in a court is that there was no evidence of jurisdiction is the, is the bottom line. None whatsoever. Uh, you know, just you go in free keen. You know, on, on Odyssey and watch the video. You watch that. Uh, yeah, it's there now. Yep. If you if you go to freekeen.com, you'll see the link to the uh, the video there, and you can watch the full arraignment, uh, the full attempt of the prosecutor to try to cut a deal outside the courtroom, and the trial itself. So it's over and a three month period. You can fast forward it to the two hour mark and see where the cop, basically right in that area where the cop uh, answers the questions. Mm-hmm. When I ask him about you know injured party, damage, loss. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, if the RSA applies and, you know, just because you're standing on the land we call New Hampshire, do the laws and code apply? Just I, all I want is the evidence. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been listening to Mark Stevens talk about this for years, and, you know, he, he's right on. So, in And they order, can't provide the evidence. Right. So in order for DCYF, another thing, too, is I'm looking for whistleblowers specific to New Hampshire, and I want to mention that a few times during this show, mm-hmm. um, especially with DCYF. We've, we, I, I have found one whistleblower. I'm not sure if she's going to even talk to me um but i have found one and uh and then um uh, but anyways when when dcyf wants to do this assessment so dcyf provides a service uh and and oh and another thing the judge said is dcyf is not part of the state under brady uh i haven't got into he said that in the case when i started bringing that up in the beginning i you know about dcyf and there's you know discoveries. oh and brady is for uh, discovery requirements or something yes or maybe well okay. yeah that is that but i don't know if something else you know has to yeah. do with that yeah i thought that was interesting yes so anyways uh, what does d- that mean does that mean they're not part of the state I don't know. There's some other non-state actor. I'm hoping somebody can answer that question for me. Yeah. All right. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Jay's wife found guilty in a bench trial. They are appealing. That means this will go to a full jury. We don't have the trial date yet at this point, but that's coming. Uh, And there's more coming up here. You can share your thoughts as well on the child snatching situation in America. More coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In 2022, Dash launched a killer app that allows you to spend Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers, and you get a discount for paying with Dash. Finally, a reason to spend your crypto. It's called Dash Direct. Get it on your Apple or Android app store. The stores on Dash Direct each offer their own discount level, but some are as high as 8 to 9% off. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
Live. You can join the show here, the number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. TMMJ in the studio here tonight. Uh, you can join us online, of course, over at freetalklive.com. We do have our social media platform over at social.freetalklive.com. You can interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there, as well as some of the hosts. Our very own Nobody got his first complaint uh today i think it was actually maybe it was yesterday but what i mean by that is somebody on another mastodon server complained about one of nobody's posts claiming he was quote unquote anti-vax and uh, so that's the first time that actually any of our hosts have uh, received a complaint of course what do we do with complaints absolutely nothing uh, because it is our server and we do what we want on our server and other people on other servers if they don't like it well that's too bad uh, because we're not obligated to follow their server's rules. So I, I wish I could turn off complaints entirely because it's just a waste of time to to have to even see them come in. Uh, but we do get to find out what people don't like on other servers about our server. And this is one of the benefits of uh, having a decentralized social media network as they do with Mastodon. There are literally thousands of servers. Some of them house a bunch of Karens and others like ours are more free speech oriented. Now, you don't get total free speech cuz I don't want people spamming the server, you know, don't bring your uh, you know, your robot advertisements to our server. You're not going to make it. We're going to screen you out and you're not going to be in there. Uh, but otherwise you can pretty much express yourself about whatever you want over at social.freetalklive.com. Uh Jay, we got more I'm sure on your case oh, with yeah. the DCYF, but we've also got some folks on the line that want to comment. So let's go to the phones and to your calls and thoughts with Andrew watching us on Twitch. Go ahead, Andrew. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, um, I'm 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 the kind of guy that I I work for myself. I reupholster furniture, nice. and thank um, you for your service. I don't I don't take stuff that I don't earn, and I'm just finding it harder and harder to be a person that that kind of lives by certain principles and. I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like the world is getting harder and harder for people like me that that just want to try to survive on my own mm-hmm. and not take from people. And um, I don't really know how to explain it, but I feel like I, I work really hard to not be a burden on people. Right. But I feel like that leaves me in the dark. I feel like I, I have... I basically have secluded myself because mm. I don't want to live the way the world tells me to live. Sure. Same. And I just want to get your opinion on how how to cope with that, I guess. Move to New Hampshire. <laughs> Where do you live, Andrew? Well, I live in Tennessee, but I've moved okay. around. I've lived in Seattle for years, and, I mean, I've moved around – the country and I've traveled across the country and I've seen a lot of things and done a lot of things, but I just want to do for myself. You know, I don't, I don't need anybody for me. Well, um, here's cool thing about New Hampshire. So like, for example, during 2020, the height of the uh, scamdemic, um, my kids didn't see anybody wearing a mask because we had a community of people who, didn't aren't part of this you know cult zombie algorithmic slave whatever was going on and it just didn't they didn't mask you know they didn't mandate like you know pretty much none of my friends got the vaccine 
none of my friends got vaccine injured. And the, uh, and, and, and even like, uh, you know, we had hangouts, we had, we had a big, uh, pig roast, 120 people showed up for it at our place. We had play dates every week with the kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, uh, New Hampshire has just a really, really good community and being someone who like you have your own business, you're an upholster. Um, I'm sure there's many other things that you could use your upholstering upholstery skills, I guess you would call it to do whatever you probably want. Um, but, um, well, really of- my, the reason I'm good at upholstery is because I've done other things be- before. So actually the upholstery stuff is like secondary in a way, mm-hmm. you know, it's more, I don't know. I just love doing it. I love the the community you can build around it. And I guess I like hearing what you have to say, Jay, specifically, because you're in that world where you're using your hands and you're like doing things where you create things that are actually practical. And um, I, I guess for me, you know, I'm trying to build my own community where I am. How's it working out? Well, it's, I mean, I'm a loner anyway, so, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it works good to a point, but, you know, I don't have anybody to shoot ideas off of. That sounds really tough. Um, I, you know, I wasn't a uh, loner when I lived in Florida. I mean, I certainly had some friends and most of them were, were freedom friendly people, but I've got so many people here that I know in New Hampshire. There's so many social opportunities. There's so much to do with that with that community, uh, the community of libertarian, voluntarist, like-minded, liberty-loving anarchist types here in New Hampshire, that you can actually be picky about which events you want to go to. Yeah, because there's uh, like two every day. Because you can't do them all. There's like four every so you, weekend. <laughs> yeah, you have to be picky by, uh, by the nature of you know the beast. And so you're literally, I mean, even if you're a loner, uh, you can still get out there and you can, you can meet other people who you get along with. Uh, there's a lot of different kind of, you know, clubs and groups and and things like that, that are going on here. You don't have to build the community. That's one of the nice things here is, you know, a loner, as you describe yourself, trying to build a community of people of like mind is going to be a almost futile task. going to be very, very difficult to start that from zero. We got 20 years in on this thing here. We got two decades of thousands of freedom-minded people uh, who have moved here as part of the the Free State Project. So, you know, we've got that base. We've got that community. We've got the market days that are going on every, what is it, once a month all over the place. There's market days. Yeah. Uh, Would you you say that if somebody moved to New Hampshire with with some kind of skill or the willingness to work, they could probably make make it happen. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're willing to work in New Hampshire, there are plenty of people who are willing to hire. I mean, even well, right you now. Need people to reupholster furniture? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't say for sure if you know what what sort of jobs are available, but I know there's a lot of jobs available. So I I think um, yes, reupholstering furniture, you could certainly uh, do something. Can you reupholster car seats? Um, well, that's. That's what I'm say. So yeah, I'm I'm self-taught, and I'm I'm on a five-year plan where I do five years of furniture, and then five years of car car upholstery slash boat boat upholstery. <laughs> well, if you're in the mm-hmm. car and the boat upholstery, I can tell you that's going to be probably a good business, especially the car upholstery. 
um, going forward because what's happening in, basically here in America, the, the uh, automobile fleet is the oldest it's ever been in history. I think the average car is like 14 years old on the road really? right now. Yeah. Wow. Um, a couple years ago, it was 12. Uh, but you know, you go look like the average, the price, the average price of like your entry le- of, of a car is like $46,000, you know, just a little, you know, piece of junk car, you know, the bottom of the line economy cars, you know, they're, they're, you can't hardly buy them for less than $30,000 from what I understand. And like, you know, the, the, the t- type of pickup truck that I use for my work is a hundred thousand dollars today to, to go buy, to go buy like an F-350 crew cab, four wheel drive diesel. There's like 90 to a hundred grand. So you keep the old one running. Then. Yeah. My trucks are 30 okay. years old. Okay. But can I get one, one piece, just one uh, good word of encouragement from the both of you. And this is where I'm going to leave off of the conversation to somebody that's just out in the world. That's a freedom loving person you know, just out here, like out there on their own, like what is both of your best advice you can give that person? You mean besides move to New Hampshire and join the largest community of <laughs> yes, liberty-minded yes, yes. people? Yes, just somebody out here that can't, they can't just, they can't just snap their finger and change their life, you know? Well, I mean, nothing worth doing is easy. So I'm not, it's not a sna- it's never a snap of the finger to just uproot yourself and migrate somewhere else. And you've moved around, you know that that's uh, you know that that's the case. I I got I wish I could be optimistic for people outside of New Hampshire, but I uh, I'm just not. I mean, if you have no support group, if you have no community of freedom minded people, then you're going to continue to experience what you've been experiencing, which is more and more of the people surrounding you turning towards the state, turning towards dependence, turning towards welfare, obedience, uh, you know, snitching uh, on people. You're going to continue to see people getting poorer and poorer as inflation continues to ravage away any kind of savings or ability that they uh, they have to save, putting people behind the ball as far as their earning uh, capacity and their their lifestyle. You know, the, that's getting worse and worse as the value of the dollar continues to plummet i mean it's just it's not an optimistic uh view out there i mean we have at least a chance here in new hampshire and it's still going to be tough here well i appreciate you guys for doing and what and what what would jay have to yeah, say go ahead, jay. so uh i just want to tell you what the uh social scene is like in new hampshire specifically with the people i hang out with mm-hmm. and the groups so the free staters um so when we go to meetups, when uh when 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 the parents come over to my house with their kids, when I go to uh, Pork Fest, when I go to um, you know New Movers Party, when I go to a- any kind of free stater gathering or meetup, uh, when I ride in a car for a couple hours with my free stater friends, who like pretty much all the people I associate with, most of them are you know either uh, are, are libertarian natives or they're free staters. Uh, the conversations uh, there are, are real productive conversations we talk about how we can you know make the world better for our kids how we can encourage our kids to get their dopamine hits from hard work um this is a lot of the stuff we talk about we talk about you know uh encouraging people to boycott the dollar because basically the the irresponsible parasites that make life miserable for everybody only exist because of fractional reserve banking and the fiat Mm -hmm. dollar system and also and and there's no mention of like nonsense like sports ball Mm. i don't have any friends that are into sports ball um, or, 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 or um, like those. And, and sports ball is just a, you know, bread and circus distraction. It's, you know, it's heavily subsidized by the government. You know, all the sports ball teams are, um, you know, tax exempt and, you know, and, and the taxpayers are, you know, forced to uh, pay for all their stadiums and all that nonsense. Right. And, and sports turns into a whole like material 
point of view, right. you know, it's a whole like, oh, if if, if if you know, if that's the only way you can survive in life is to be able to run down the field, then that's a that's a that's a bad problem to have, you know. Like, and, if you have no other skills than that, then that, that we have other problems than and, than. And that's than part of the problem with you know so many of these young people, the kids that like have a chance to be productive and at you know like like the jocks in, in you know in the public schools. You know, they're all like, oh, I'm going to, you know, really try hard at sports ball and I'm going to get good at sports ball so I can get drafted by a college team and get my college paid for because everybody's sold on this college dream. And then what's happening is they, you know, they get out of college and they, you know, and they're like, well, they, got, they don't have a skill set. You know, mm-hmm. they, they just know how to play well, they sports. Can't, they can't even add. And, right. and, and here in Tennessee, we actually had a problem uh, this this past year. They said, um, I think it was like 60 or 70 percent of the third, because I guess they have a threshold of the public school when when they when they let you go to the different grade and i guess the third grade level third to fourth grade level is the the threshold and uh they said like 70% would uh had to be held back and if you look back at when covid started that that would be the age group that would be affected by the whole you know that 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 the whole change in the in the education system and and the thing is with these public schools, uh, like you mentioned, they just keep on lowering the standards constantly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as it goes on. And here's another thing, you know, I don't know if you have any kids. I don't know how old you are. Do you have any kids? No, I'm, I'm 36, never been married, and I don't have kids. Okay, well, when I was 36, I hadn't been married and, ha- and didn't have kids either. Now I'm 43. I got two beautiful kids. I got. I, I, well, I got the best. Threat, I feel like you're threatening me now. With I, kids. Well, I, I, <laughs> I I got the best woman in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Like I got all you know. You know, I I I, I got it. You Things know, like, really good. Yeah. yeah. So so like, if you got skills, like that's the kind of stuff women are attracted to. So if you're not like a morbidly obese or disgusting, you know, looking man, and you have skills and you have the ability to work. Um, you can basically go get uh, pretty much any girl you want, and and you know within you know ten years of your age, not a problem. Um, and you and you should be very selective. I mean, you know, of, of of who you pick for a woman. And if you don't want to, you know, you're not interested in that kind of stuff. That's fine. And that's another thing that's happening too. Is um, just like in Japan, what we talked about earlier, is like the problem with Japan is the men basically got transformed. Uh, their 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 ideas of what a woman is was uh has been morphed by you know porno high speed por- internet device and porno uh when 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 the men you know are you know a young men they're going through puberty and they're in 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 their brain is developing you know essentially what they desire in a woman and when that is happening for a young boy and they're streaming high speed porno um what they desire in a woman is a porn star which is not a realistic woman mm-hmm. and so that is why in in Japan the men are just not interested in women women so you well, have a- I'm very much a normal man looking okay. for a woman okay, but well- I will say now that it's it does seem like women though it's like flipped where women almost look for a man that's not realistic where it used yep. to be the man to look for that now it seems like it's the opposite now so so where you, it's hard to even attract a woman because they're only interested in certain things the way the women used to complain about the men. So, mm-hmm. so, so the thing is, is there's different types of women as far as I'm concerned. That let's let's say the single women. So the women who are on Instagram and Snapchat and you know having only fans and you know who are looking at all these dating apps and stuff. You you don't you want to be anywhere near those women because what happens is. 
that the top five percent uh, are the ones that get those girls, basically. right? So, so the top five percent of dudes, because all these girls they want the sixes, they want mm-hmm. a six foot tall, six figure income, and six inches for some reason. <laughs> that uh, that that's what the three sixes yeah. are. So, um, and 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 I listen. To, I I I've been doing like a lot of research like the past couple of years on like this particular thing, like you know what's going on with women. Um, and how to raise kids. So I've been paying attention. There's, a, there's a, the Whatever podcast. I don't know if you heard of that. Oh, yeah. It's, and, I mean, I've never actually watched no, the full thing, but there's clips of it yeah, online, yeah. and it's and, just painful. Yeah, and, and, and then you have uh, Just Pearly Things. Okay. Uh, Pearl Davies, I think, is the lady's name. And um, so, like, they've got per, between what uh, what uh, Whatever and Pearl Davies and um, Manosphere, um, they're kind of, uh, you know, explaining sort of what's happening. So with, with the women that are, you know, looking on the dating apps, the thing is, is right now the the women have access to a dating pool of all of, uh, you know, the entire world to mm-hmm. where, you know, you know, 25 years ago, it was who's in the neighborhood and who right. you met in person. Right. And, and so now, um, you know, or, or, or the closest thing 25 years ago was the uh, singles ads and, you know, in your regional newspaper mm-hmm. uh, or want advertiser. So now with uh, this opportunity, what the women are doing is they're just picking the bad boys. So the bad boys are, are, are what the uh, women are becoming attracted to because what happened is, uh, so young girls, the same thing. When they're going through their change, their, their breasts are developing, they're going menstru- to start menstruating. Um, so at about that time, what is, what's developing with them is uh, their attraction to men. So these girls that are raised by dads that just aren't in the picture um, or are just raised by single moms, you know, who, who, who do they have to look at, um, you know, as the, uh, they're going to build their attractiveness to is like Brad Pitt or, you know, whoever's well, on funny, TV. The funny thing is the real bad boys are the ones that are actually like the smart people that are like taking into account like, hey, I'm a man and, you know, I got to control myself, you know, like I'm a real bad boy because I'm in control of my masculinity you know and that's what that's what women don't understand is that you know a, a, a real bad boy is the the man that's like in control mm. of his his emotions when, you know when i say when i say that women are interested in the bad boys it's these women on the internet and on these dating apps that like 80 percent of them are basically hooking up and banging you know just randomly you know five percent of the dudes mm-hmm. and so there's a so, so so the dudes that are you know six foot tall that are good looking that, you know, you can just say you make all kinds of money. Nobody knows. And, uh, they're, you know, have no problem with this hookup culture, just hooking up with multiple women. Uh, I, I actually have friends that have like literally a body, like guys have a body count of like five, 600 women and and they're, and and it's because of the hookup apps because basically, but as even as a man though, like I would feel bad to be, I just couldn't even imagine that. Like, I, mean, just I, the, I don't know. I guess the STD a... risk alone is crazy. But, oh, yeah. Uh, I will say this, Andrew. I saw somebody, as far as like dating prospects and that kind of thing, I saw a gentleman who appears to be maybe, I don't know, in his mid-30s or 40 or somewhere in that range. Uh, he migrated to New Hampshire, I think, as a part of the Free State Project. But he came from Rhode Island, so, you know, your mileage may vary. And he said the quality of women that he's been dating has increased dramatically just by moving from Rhode Island to New Hampshire. So one of the things that we have here in New Hampshire, the reason I asked you if you had kids or a wife. So if you don't have kids or a woman, you are the and, – and, and you have skills and you know how to do stuff. You probably know how to fix it. You can change your tire, right? You could probably, you know, maybe change the universal joint on your drive shaft, you know, maybe your brakes, Right. 
Yeah. Uh, so you're like I could probably do a lot of things. So yeah. you're so so you don't have a problem <laughs> just getting in your car and driving wherever you want because because you can just do it. Um, you probably. And, they, and, they could be they could be smart or dumb at the same time. I don't know. So, so, so when so when you're an old man, you got to think about the future. When you're an old man, do you want to be surrounded by a bunch of young um, algorithmic slaves who are begging government for help? Uh, you know, uh, uh, and and people who you know the the addiction part of their brain has just being been stimulated. You know, basically since they you know well, uh, no, you know that's, were that's, six that's, months that's, old. That's, that's uh, why I reinforce furniture because okay. it's like a very but, it requires a lot of skill. And and, and actually, so you're reupholstering. That brings me to another point. So I do with uh, you know man camp, right? I teach kids my skills. You, that's something you could be doing right now. Is you could be teaching young people maybe some kind of apprenticeship program to where you teach people your skill how how, how to do this because um, you know it's it's important that somebody learns your trade and that you pass it on and it will also make you better at that. And then you are going to tremendously increase um, the value of the culture of the people around you. But ba- back to my point, I wanted to get to here with you about uh, being so. So in thirty years and in forty years, when you're an old guy and it's harder to take care of yourself, um, the one thing I really like about New Hampshire is that we are building a culture of Generation Next of young people who, um, you know, the parents here are really heavily investing in their kids, especially the free staters, you know, the people involved with Health Freedom New Hampshire, they, and the people who are fighting all the mandates and stuff, the, the red pill moms are investing heavily in their kids. And we have a lot of good nuclear families here in New Hampshire. And <clears throat> even like, you know, with, with, with my uh, investing in the posterity project that I'm working on just at my house, when I have, you know, uh, a, a dozen or two dozen kids show up from, you know, the neighboring area, um, then they're just, you know, picking grass and feeding it to cows and collecting chicken eggs and helping, you know, rake soil and stuff. Uh, those kids are all going to be able to do something. So I encourage anybody who's concerned about what they're going to, what's going to happen to them when they're an old man and not able to take care of themselves. You should probably try to be somewhere where the current, you know, toddlers and five-year-olds you know, are like learning real life skills and are being raised by people who understand that the number one investment is our posterity. And this is happening in New Hampshire. Andrew, I want to say uh, if you have the ability and you know, if you're working for yourself, there's a good chance you can take some time off just sort of yeah. on your own uh, volition. Uh, get up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival coming up here in another, what, less than a week and a half, something like that. It starts on the 19th. And it's going to be happening in northern New Hampshire, the beautiful Rogers Campground. Uh, Free Talk Live will be there in some form or another. I know, Jay, you're going to be somewhere on the campground doing man camp and whatever other things you're doing. Uh, Aria is going to be up there. I think Captain Kickass will be there. I don't know which other host. I think nobody's going to be back in town for that as well. So we'll have a handful of our people up there. But more importantly, there's something going to be like 2,000 plus uh, like-minded, liberty-oriented people, probably hundreds of whom are already living here. The, usually the majority of the people at Porkfest are brand new. They've never been before. It's their first time. Uh, and there's a large number of people who've returned. And then there's a large number of people that already live here. So you get to meet a bunch of the people who could be your future neighbors if you can make it up here for that. If not, uh, just see if you can make a vacation up here at some point because there's always things going on. If you go to the Free State Project's website at freestateproject.org, uh, they've got a calendar there of events. And it's just loaded up with things to do. You come up here, you spend a week. And you can come and meet all, you know, dozens and dozens of people. So I wish you the best, Andrew. Thank you for the call tonight, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. We're going to bring Frank on the line in Michigan. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. 
Hey, hey guys, hey, uh, I can't help think of, of the the irony of you, you guys uh, keep telling people to move to New Hampshire for more freedom, and in the end, you're looking at probably a couple years in prison. And Jay's wife is uh, just convicted of child endangerment. But yeah, kind of well, we can talk about that with something. you. Hang on, Frank. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. Because nobody said that this was going to be, you just move and then it's a freedom. <laughs> There's some work that needs to be done here. And, and we're doing it. And somebody's got to do it. We're doing it, but we could use some help. Uh, There's more coming up here. It is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of... Where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because... I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program here. The number, if you want to join us, it's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. I do have the verdict uh, and freshly printed out from the Concord District Court judge that presided over your wife's case, Jake. Yep. Jay Noon here with me. I'm Ian. Um, the number again, 603-283-6160. You can join us online anytime at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features on the site. They are completely free, so please enjoy those there, including archives that go back for many years. Uh, totally free. You don't need an account. Just go and get them at freetalklive.com. Uh, we want to get into that verdict but first, we had uh, Frank on the line in Michigan. Sadly, he dropped off during the news break, but I thought he asked a, an interesting question, and I thought it was one that deserved more than you know, 20 seconds. We, we didn't have much time for his call right before the, the news break. So, Jay, what he had said prior to the break was, well, you know, it's great that you guys are talking about all this freedom stuff and all these people moving to New Hampshire for freedom, but it seems ironic Considering Ian's facing prison time, Ari is going to prison for an 18-month sentence coming up at the end of the month right after Porkfest is over. She's going to be self-reporting, as they call it, to whichever prison they decide to send her to. And uh, and your wife is facing up to a year in jail on uh, quote-unquote child endangerment charges. I mean, doesn't that suggest that—he uh, didn't say this part, but doesn't right. that suggest that this movement is futile, that this is, uh, you know, you guys are getting nowhere— I mean, uh, people I, are going. To, people are going to jail here. I mean, he that's might, not freedom. He might suggest that, but that is happening in every jurisdiction, <laughs> right? And so, like, if this, it, like, my particular case, for you know, for example, or my wife's particular case, in Massachusetts, what you would get first is a show cause hearing, and that's essentially what I, you know, the bench trial was was like mm-hmm. a show cause hearing. So in Massachusetts, it's a show cause hearing for like a criminal charge, uh, 
you go in front of a magistrate and a magistrate would look at the evidence and, and see if it should be moved forward to a trial or dismissed. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> the magistrates just literally rubber stamp everything that the, um, you know, police put in front of them. Yeah, because, they're not going to dismiss know, it. They're, they're, because their pension fund depends on it. Sure. All these guys draw off the same pension fund. Uh, there is a thing called the Court Registry Investment System. Uh, the acronym is uh, uh, the CRIS and it's a um, court registry investment system where every time a case is is created, um, <clears throat> there are bonds that are basically created out of thin air, and they trade on these uh, you know, like um, marketplaces or like stock exchange type things. It's actually pretty much all over in Europe where these bonds trade or the UK or whatever. <clears throat> but anyways, the uh, you know their their system depends on it, so that's happening everywhere. But here in New Hampshire, uh, so you get support. You know, especially if you're, um, you know, fighting the right fight for freedom. I mean, you know, people who, you know, um, do actual crimes where they're like they beat their girlfriend or they kill somebody or they steal property mm-hmm. or, you know, they commit perjury or, you know, things like this. Uh, they don't get a courtroom full of people supporting them. Right. But if you're someone who is, you know, you know, fighting a good fight and you're brought up on victimless crimes you're, you know, where there's no injury, there's no, 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 um, you know, valid cause of action. Nobody's rights have been uh, infringed upon. Uh, and you ask for it, you're going to get some support. You had uh, a full courtroom. Yes. Uh, and, and it would have been more people in there, but they actually moved the trial to the smallest courtroom in the courthouse for yep. your uh, for your wife. Just because they knew there was a large group of people yep. there and they wanted to exclude as many people as possible. But it was a full courtroom. And I counted from 30 to 40 adults. I didn't even count the kids. There's right. probably another 10 to 15 of them. Uh, so very, very large turnout for this particular hearing. But um, I'm just going to play. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Maybe, you know, but play as though I'm, I'm Frank and say, well, yeah, well, what good does that do? So you got uh, 30 people in the court. You still got found guilty. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> and, and we'll and we'll read the verdict here in a little bit, but yeah, yeah. yeah you got found guilty, and it's a kangaroo court. So, mm-hmm. so here's the thing: <clears throat> the circuit court is like the lowest level of court. So basically, the judge that was in this particular case is a low level judge. Right. Um, <clears throat> so either this it's judge, his job to find you guilty, basically. right? It's his job to keep up the system. It's his job to make sure that the um, judicial pension fund. You know, this is what these guys are working for. They're working for their pensions. They want to keep their pension percent. Yep, yeah, they, they want that judicial pension fund to be nice and full of money. And the federal government gives them money to enforce uh, actually uh, in uh, childhood endangerment. There's uh, that particular charge has a federal incentive. Hmm. I haven't figured out the exact federal incentive, and but what I tipped me off to it as I was doing research. Uh, there was a woman in Portsmouth who uh, was charged with. Um, uh, in child childhood endanger, child endangerment, leaving two kids, three kids in a car, uh, a nine year old and a, a, a like a five and a two year old. She ran into a store car and with the car running, and you know the nine year old could have jumped in the car and drove off. You know, <laughs> I jumped in the driver's seat and drove off. So, uh, for example, uh, so and, and in that newspaper article, um, it says uh, that uh, the federal government, um, you know, provides you know funding for municipalities uh to essentially mm. enforce this uh well, i can't remember the rsa off the top of my head but this child endangerment thing um okay. so and so it, you know it's there you just got to show i know the, it's the there details we're, on it. we're working on it i got i got actually but come back to the question of how does it help to have 30 40 people in the courtroom what's the benefit of that if uh, you're going to get found guilty anyway the judge doesn't care that you, they're in there you first off you know, it's like showing up to, uh, you know, to a fight and you got 30 people behind you that are going to, you know, maybe support you and at least they're there mm-hmm. to like make sure it's a fair fight or at least try. 
Um, and it definitely helps your confidence when you, when your friends right. will take the day off of work, you know, well, whatever, you know, take their four kids, put it in a minivan and bring it to the courthouse. Like that's difficult. For it a is a, I agree with you. It is a really nice thing to see people that, you know, backing you up, even though, you know, it's probably not going to make a difference to the judge or yeah. whatever, but it's a nice thing to have that in there. And in, and further it having a large group of people changes the dynamics of the courtroom environment in a way that if you've never experienced it, you can't really understand what it's like. So your typical courtroom environment is like, if you're just there at an arraignment or something and you're the only person there and there's, you know, only friend of yours, right? Like maybe you and one friend or you and your wife or girlfriend or whatever, and that's it. And then everybody else in the room is just a normal person. You know, there's another 25 to 50 people in there that are also there being charged with victimless crimes and other nonsense. Everybody just talks like this. If they talk at all, they're just whispering. It's like you're it's like they're in church. Right. And that's there's a lot of similarities between government courthouses and churches, as a matter of fact. These guys are a religious cult, best I can tell, the people who worship the state. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy in a robe uh, who goes up on a a riser in front of a a room and he's, you know, behind this this podium and he's got acolytes who will do whatever it is that he says to do. And there are priests, high priests and priests in there uh, that utter the language that they speak in the court. There's uh, religious iconography in there, like flags, and there's literally pews uh, in there as well. But if you change the numbers, you change the ratio, if you can get half of that courtroom that is on your side, if you can get half, and those people sit up front, and they do things like our friends tend to do. Now, there were a few of them that stood for the judge, and I was kind of like, come on, guys. <laughs> but uh, you don't stand for the judge, for instance, yep. uh, because that's a religious thing, and why are you following their religion? All sure. men are created equal, so why should you stand for one man? But if you can do that in front of the regular people who are in the courtroom, and the man, you know, the bailiff walks in in front of the judge and says, all rise. And the first two rows full of people don't rise. I've seen it happen where the rest of the courtroom will stay seated. Yep. And yeah, you that's know, a powerful statement. You know every one of those people would have stood up if the right. people in the front rows had also stood, or the, even if they were alone in the court, they would have stood. But because they felt like they could go along with the crowd, which is to say, stay seated, they did. And of course, if you can get the whole courtroom full of your people, then you get an entire different atmosphere no one is whispering anymore there's people just talking at a at a normal clip you know before the judge comes in right because if the judge the judge is you know going to come in and he's going to have you thrown in, in a prison cell if you talk too loud but but prior to that people are speaking you know at a normal tone of voice they're they're cracking jokes they're having fun it's a completely different feeling because normally court is this very oppressive quiet place where everybody's just obedient and that's totally different when everybody's in. In this case, there was kids running around. There's, in your case, yep. uh, kids are running around. Jeremy Kaufman's cracking jokes in the in the back, and and people are pointing out all the crazy stuff in the courtroom. There's just all kinds of interesting conversations going on that never happens when you're alone in court. And all of that kind of combined, it really is a. I think it buoys the defendant. It really helps the defendant feel. Like they might even have a chance. And when, when you got people who love you mm-hmm. there at that courtroom, that's a real powerful statement in the court of public opinion. And 
uh, and, and it builds a confidence. And I can tell you, I have, uh, I've actually never been on trial per se by myself. Hmm. Uh, but I have several times been in court and people are like, you know, just a speeding ticket trial. And it's just that one guy. And it's like him versus, you know, the judge who's there to extract for him because the judge is a parasite. Yeah. In fact, the judge is an irresponsible parasite. He can commit all kinds of crimes and nothing happens to him. Uh, same thing with the prosecutor. He's an irresponsible parasite. He has qualified immunity. He commits all kinds of cr- <clears throat> crimes every day. And nothing happens to him. To some extent, the judge will lose control of their own courtroom if they're not careful. If there's a full court of liberty-loving activists, and I was talking about how it changes the uh, the atmosphere. I remember during, it uh, didn't happen as much during your wife's trial, but during one of Adamo Freeman's trials in Manchester where we had a, a larger court full of people. I think it was probably 60 or something like that that were attending Adamo's trial. There were so many people in there. Whenever the uh, the government made ridiculous, the government witnesses made ridiculous statements, people would just laugh out loud. Multiple people in the court would laugh out loud. Normally, if one person laughs, the judge will zero in on them. And I think this your judge did do some zeroing in on some of the audience at yep. one point. Like the next person that says something, I'm sending you out of here or something. Something like that was said at some point. But if there's five or ten people that are laughing uh, in the court, it can be difficult for them to single one person out and target them for retaliation. And so they just sort of have to let it happen if it keeps on happening, if people keep ignoring the judge's threats. And again, it's just it's another example of how the whole feeling of a courtroom can change when you've got when you've got people applauding for the defendant and you've got them laughing at the government witnesses it's amazing what can happen now how that affects a jury is an interesting question we haven't had that too many times and unfortunately in a demos case they still found him guilty uh so it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, the audience's um i guess the feeling of the audience is going to necessarily transfer into the jury members but at the very least it makes the whole process a lot more bearable uh for the defendant and uh you really do feel a different feeling another benefit you get uh that that we we certainly had was uh a few state representatives uh showed up to court oh yeah that's right that's right you know for not uncommon up here yeah right and um and then uh and, and another thing I just wanted to bring up real quick is, uh, oh, oh, the attorney in fact. Mm, I mean, yeah. that's really difficult to do in Massachusetts. Now, <clears throat> I have done Describe it with Describe what it is. So attorney in fact is where if you're in, in New Hampshire, you just fill out this form, uh, Rule 3-1 something I think it's called. And you can- One page, right? Right. Yeah. Just, you know, got to just, you know, name of name of the inter- who's going to be attorney in fact, uh you got to basically say that you're not convicted of any felonies. and um, So I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't Cu- do it. Couple, but, well, I, I think that's ridiculous. Like, for yeah. example, that you or like Mark Edge can't be the attorney yeah. of fact for, you know, your, you know, like Mark Edge couldn't be the attorney of fact for his wife or his son. Maybe, you, uh, know? you know, maybe it's something the state reps could remedy. Uh, I've already su- yeah. suggested that exactly to a state rep. Yeah. Um, there, there's, a, there's some changes here that could make this even better. But what you're referring to is essentially a state law that allows the average person to uh, be the attorney for somebody that wants them to. Right. So in, and, your, in your wife's case, she's probably never been in court before in any sort of meaningful sense. She seemed to be pretty intimidated by yes. the whole process, which is what they do, right? Like that's the court procedure is to intimidate the hell out of you. Yep. So you'll want to get a lawyer, which of course is an officer of the court, and they're going to do whatever the court yep, says to do. They're an enemy do. spy. 
and then you know and so that's what they want they want you to walk through a plea deal they want you to just you know make it go away yep. and pay the fines and then you know move on but if you want to obviously you can take your case yourself but if you're not confident enough you don't know what you're doing and somebody you know does know what they're doing then in new hampshire and this may be true in other states but in new hampshire you can fill out this form which in this judge's case, to his credit, he allowed you to fill out on the day of the trial, which I was surprised by. He just, I don't think he had to, but he did allow you to fill out this form. Like, I kind of think he had to. <laughs> in, the, in that moment. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Uh, but uh, in that moment, he, he did allow that, and you went, you filled it out. The judge took a recess, came back, and then you were able to be mm-hmm. the attorney. You asked all the questions of the, uh, the, you know, the, uh, the witnesses and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, we had a prepared objection to being denied our, uh, you know, the right to... Um, you know, uh, exercise uh, counsel, uh, which is, you know, secured and guaranteed by the Constitution that these guys don't follow. Right. Why should you have to be a member of the Bar Association? Why should you be in this sort of monopoly club? And all the people who are members of the Bar Association are compromised. They will not challenge the jurisdiction of the court. That's right. They they may, may get sanctioned. So a Bar Association, you know, member is, you know, his priorities are like his bar license is very close to the top, probably right after his mistress um, somewhere. But his bar license, you know, mm-hmm. is, can't is, lose is, that is right mm-hmm. at the top. And, you know, you're like you as a client, you know, he, he don't care about you. And in fact, you probably can't even sue him no, no matter how bad he does, because these mm-hmm. guys are, are so protected. Right. The other thing we have in New Hampshire when it comes to court is we have a really good jury nullification, um, you know, law. It's not prohibited here. You right. can actually talk about it. In Massachusetts, they will throw you in a jail cell. They will hold you in contempt for bringing up jury nullification. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have federal court. You yeah. also cannot bring up jury yeah. nullification. I've had uh, friends that have gotten arrested for passing out jury nullification propaganda in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, Oof. in front of the courthouse. In fact, I was passing out jury nullification propaganda uh, to the jurors early one morning uh, in front of the courthouse, and. Um, and I used to uh, actually walk to the courthouse mm-hmm. uh, because uh, if you just walked in, in Palmer, Mass, there's this trail you could walk through. And actually, I just I, I would ride a mountain bike, and it was like a five minute ride to my um, to a friend's house where mm-hmm. I'd park my truck uh, on a mountain bike. And uh, so I get there. The jury's written real early in the morning. Everybody's waiting for the door to open. Just show up there. I passed out all of this jury nullification nullification things. See you guys later. And uh, they thought it was one of my friends that did it, and they went and arrested him. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, and so wow. so when they tried him, they had all these jurors as witnesses. They're like, oh, that's not the guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, <yeah. laughs> what a bunch of F-ups. All right, let's go to the phones here. I got uh, Ricky in the Commonwealth. Go ahead, Ricky, of Pennsylvania. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Brother Jay, good evening. And my sympathies, Brother Jay. I hope it's okay, but one day... In the future, I'm going to talk about my own experiences with children and youth, like everybody else, you know? But here's my topic tonight. I was thinking about the non-aggression principle, and I'm going to get this kind of being going around a lot now on the show, and I'm going to give two examples in my life, one verbal and one physical, but before I do that, just a little bit of how I came across it. See, I've been mentioning that I am a Jeffersonian, and I said that years ago. Basically, essentially what that means is I use Jefferson as a template for constitutionality, written and unwritten, if you will. Now, I knew, and I've been practicing it for 30 years before I knew libertarians called it that. I believe it was called then, when I knew about it, 
back in his day, if I'm correct, maybe Jay can correct me on this, the no harm theory. Does that sound about right? Uh, sure. Well, I'm not sure I'm following you either. So you're basically saying if you don't hurt anybody, nobody should come after you for anything, right? Is that what you're talking about? Right. It's basically the no non-aggressive principle used to be called, I believe, the no harm theory in okay. Jefferson's day. And I believe it originally came from it, what Europe, Europe, I believe maybe France, possibly or somewhere. Yeah, but it's the same thing. They just renamed it. I think the wording's interesting, no harm, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's that's that. Now, here's my examples, and I don't believe I violated these examples. Now, here's, I'll make them condensed as possible. Now, I was probably my late 20s, early 30s, and, you know, I went to McDonald's with my old man, you know, get some food, and I saw him coming in, the no-necks, five of them, the jocks. They're sitting at a table, and I walked in, I saw him go up to the counter, a young lady, she's barely old enough to work there, got to be like 15 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm put my food order up there and she's like, she had, she has trouble with mine, but I helped her through it. And we got through it. I step aside. I'm waiting. There's nobody in there. All of a sudden up comes these no necks. They walk right next to me and up to the counter to this girl. And I saw the boss looking at her when he was, which I was dealing with her and they got one French fry, uh, medium fry with one fry. And they're trying to give her trouble that there's a bug in it. So here's what I did. I moved towards their direction, the man in black. And I, what I proceeded to do is say, you know what? I told them about the school they came from. I lectured them on that. And I lectured them about jocks, too, and what they did wrong. And at that point, I told them to apologize. Now, at that point, their leader said to me, sir, we really apologize, blah, blah, blah. I said, now apologize to her. Which How old did. were you when uh, this happened? You said you were in your 20s? Yeah, I was probably about 12 years older than them. Now, here's the clincher. Here's why I think it's okay. Because she, then they, they, I said, now get the hell out of here because real people are eating here. Now, what happened is they took off. And I, I was standing there, and she smiled at me. She says, thank you, thank you. I said, no problem. That smile made it all worthwhile. I think that made it okay from what I understand from you, Brother Ian. That's the first story. Now, this one actually is unfortunately violent. This was early 17. I had moved from the mountains of my property. I was in a little ramble, which I did. And it was the part of right next to me. And I buddied up with this girl who was with this dude real quickly. She was a little older than me. I was 44 at the time. She had to be in her early 60s. We used to have coffee and tea in the morning. I had my coffee. We got to know each other real fast. They were only there maybe three months. But it was, I was after talking to her probably about them going into the second month, I said, you know, things get pretty rough over there. I mean, they're arguing like, all oh, hell, every night. She says, well, I can usually handle it. And I said to her, I said, well, you know what? If you can't handle it, because she didn't believe in cell phones. She didn't have one. If you can't handle it, you're right next door, just call my name out real okay. loud. I'll help. And what happened was, so it was the last month they were there because I know they were, they were asked to leave, you know, because they're arguing. And it was right before they were to leave. All of a sudden, one afternoon, I hear real loud, Ricky, real loud. And I blow out my door. Their door is open. It's an empty apartment. And there I see this guy press, having her pressed against the wall with his hands around her throat. Well, okay, at that moment, I took, uh, grabbed a hold of him, pulled him back. 
And then she, she pulled off, went off the side, and I proceeded to, now there's a clincher to this, okay? This is going to sound bad. I start smashing his head upside of the, of the wall, which was concrete, over and over and over and over. Now, at a point, she said, Ricky, don't kill him. It Hold on, Ricky. We'll let you finish the story here in moments. Did he go too far, I think, is the question. I, I had a start of the fight with a guy a few years ago in a bar because he was smacking a girl around pretty good. Let's talk about it. Come up here. We'll, uh, we'll get into it. And your calls and thoughts are welcome. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. We're coming up. This is a growing community. It is a, a wonderful place uh, to be here. But in order to get here, you got to have a place to live. And the folks over at the Porcupine Real Estate Offices can help you with that. Uh, in fact, I just heard today that Carla Garrick, longtime president of the Free State Project, has uh, become one of the new realtors over at Porcupine Real Estate. So you might be able to get her as your real estate agent or, of course, Mark Warden or the rest of his crew. Uh, they've been putting on some webinars recently, and they've got some coming up that you can sign up for. The webinars are covering various different topics uh, that set New Hampshire apart from the competition, like gun freedom, medical freedom, political freedom victories. they got best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing, of course. Go to move.freetalklive.com. That site will take you over to the Porcupine Real Estate sign-up page, where you can get signed up to attend these webinars online, get your questions answered from people that know the business they know the community like the back of their hand. These people are very experienced. Uh, go to move.freetalklive.com. You can get signed up there. You can also visit Porcupine Real Estate on YouTube and see their previous uh, presentations. Their previous webinars are available there. But go get signed up for the upcoming ones at move.freetalklive.com. we got Ricky on the line here still in Pennsylvania. You were giving us a story about when you came to the aid of a woman in her 60s. When you were in your 40s, uh, they were next-door neighbors to you in a more rural area, it sounded like. You went over there uh, as this woman was calling out for help. She was being attacked. She'd sort of been known for fighting with her husband or boyfriend or whoever well, it was. it wasn't her. It was him. He was a dirtbag. Sure, sure. But she was staying. She, you were, know, she was still with him. Married. And uh, she had said she yeah. was going to call you if there was some sort of issue. She, she screamed right. your name. You ran over there. He was choking her out, uh, had her up against a wall. You pulled him off right. and started banging his head up against a concrete wall. Uh. Multiple times, and here's the finish of it. It was multiple times. I knew he was a mess. There was blood all over the place. And then she said, Ricky, don't kill him. I threw him down in the carpet in a pool of his own blood. I took off, peeled out the door, went over into my room, closed the door. Now, it was probably about two hours later. I hear a knock on the door. I'm like, hello? She says, Ricky. I said, oh, oh, here. I open the door up, unlock the bolt. She comes in and she says, are you all right? I said, sweetheart, I think it's the other way around. Are you all right? I said, oh, I'm fine. I said, oh, okay. And she said, uh, thanks. I said, I said, no problem. I said, what about so-and-so? I messed him up pretty bad. I said, oh, he'll live. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't briefly see him after that, unfortunately. 
he was bandaged up bad. Now, here's the funny part of the story. He didn't call the cops on you? Huh? Oh, no, he didn't do that. Okay. But I'll tell you what did happen. I said to her, I said, what about the carpet? Because they were leaving, you know, they were mm. leaving. They said, I'll your security care. deposit. So what happens is it's probably the next day or so they're gone. Ellen comes around to collect the rent, and I pull out the cash. She comes over to my apartment, and they pull out the money. She pulls out a receipt, and I says, yeah, I see so-and-so's left. I says, yeah, I had to do it, Rick. I says, yeah, I said, uh, I said Ellen, what about the carpet? She says, well, that's okay. I know everything. I said, oh, you do? She said, yeah, I know everything, Rick. So you know everything? She says, yeah. I said, Ellen, I'm not like that. You know what she says to me? She says, she says, she was an older woman too. She says, you know, I don't have a problem with anything you did. He was an abuser. Yeah, I think most people probably wouldn't. I think that was, uh, and thank you, Ricky, for the call tonight. Uh, and I think that's the question is, did he go too far? I mean, would it have been uh, sufficient to just pull the man off the woman, separate the two? Of course, presumably he would come back at Ricky in that particular case. But, you know, did he go too far by slamming his head up against the wall? I don't think so. Um, you know, it, you know, it, the guy, sometimes to like reprogram, you know, bad behavior, Mm -hmm. you need to feel some pain. Um, and you know, like I had said, I was in a bar when I was like mm, 24 and, uh, there was a guy in town. He was known locally as just a local Mm a-hole and he was a big dude. Uh, he was like in his forties. Um, and he was like kind of a biker type guy, but like, you know, could never keep it together to own a Harley, you know, one <laughs> okay. of those guys that, you know, the want to be biker. He, well, he had like the tattoos and the leather jacket and, okay. you know, and the skull cap he would wear. Anyways, he, um, I remember he's slapping his girlfriend around, like he's mm. hurting her wow. and she's like upset. And I, and I'm like, why don't you pick on someone your own size? And mm-hmm. I just, I started, you know, wailing on him and, uh, he and and I ended up with a black eye and a fat lip, and it was from the girlfriend. What? Yeah, I, I, so she I, defended him. Yeah, I well, I I basically um, gave him a couple of shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he stumbled backwards. He come at me, and um, <clears throat> so he was he was way bigger than me. Uh, he wasn't as good a shape as me. You know, mm-hmm. at that time I was you know moving hundred pound bags of grain every day, stacking hay. You know, I was pretty mm-hmm. strong. I was I was fat and overweight too, but so was he. But I was stronger. And, um, and I basically took him and he came at me and I sort of stepped out of the way and helped, you know, put him head first into a wall. He broke to sheetrock. Um, and the, uh, <laughs> and he's like laying there on the ground and he's like, and, and then I just, all of a sudden I turn around and I get wailed wow. by his girlfriend and like, she, he never no good actually deed goes unpunished. He never touched me, <laughs> you know, Damn. I, I, and, um, uh, it, it was, it was probably the first time I really tried to drive my fist into someone hard, but mm-hmm. like for like four days, my hand hurt bad. I bet. I bet. Um, Damn. and, uh, the hand actually hurt worse more than like, like more than my face. But yeah, they're like, what happened to you? You got a you know, black eye and a fat lip. I'm like, ah, oh, this girl punched me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and like, it's a girl punching me. I'm all, I just left. That's right. all I could do. You yeah. know, you can't. I I, 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 I wouldn't hit a girl. And um, so, but, uh, and then like six months later, um, I was actually in the Palmer courthouse and she was there filing a restraining order against, against him. Against the guy. And huh. uh, she was like, can I call a witness? And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I'm like, 
and I didn't even know it was her. And she goes, there's a guy who witnessed him beat me. Uh, he's over there. I'm not sure what his name is. And I'm like, she's pointing at me. And, and so I'm like, yeah, I remember this. And mm. so I just said what happened, you know, and, wow. um, did she apologize to you later? Oh, she gave me a big hug and she was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. She, okay. she was actually became sort of a friend. That's for a little, good. Yeah. That's good. And, but she was like, I was in a bad place. I was doing drugs and like, and this guy was known as like a, you know, but you know, that's the kind of people that hang out at bars. Right. You know, yeah. So, yeah, I, I got to agree with you on that. You know, um, you someone could make the argument that Ricky went too far in bashing the guy's head into the concrete multiple times. But I think most people would see it as uh, like, you know, hey, look, you get what you get. You, you strangle a woman and somebody's going to go off on you. you know? I, just that's just I what's going to happen. The town I know I, I, I grew up in, um, there was this family. Uh, they were a generation older than me. I was a teenager when this happened. And uh this guy that I knew who they were, these guys were all my dad's age, you know, I was a teenager and uh, he beat up the, his girlfriend bad. Mm-hmm. He hurt her bad. She was in a hospital and, and she wasn't going to go like do anything about it. Like, you know, she's, she, she's like people who worship the government, you mm-hmm. know, they're just in this abusive relationship and they love the government so much that they just keep paying taxes and taking right. the abuse. So anyways, uh, <clears throat> she had three brothers uh, that guy spent like weeks in intensive care. Uh, they, the, 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 her three brothers found out what happened. They kind of knew what happened, and uh, they went and beat this dude. And basically, after he and, and he had like a business in town, he had a couple houses, and uh, uh, everybody in town kind of knew what was going on. And um, he he never like reported who. I don't think he could identify who did it, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, it's had to be 25 years since this happened. But uh, basically, once that guy got out of the hospital, everything got a for sale sign on it, and nobody ever saw him again. All his, he sold the business, sold the properties. It. He was gone. Let's go to the phones here. I got James in Kentucky on the line. James, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. James? James, How going you doing? Home. Hey, you're on the air, James. Go ahead. Oh, I've been. A, it's been a long time, I tell you. Oh, hey, James. What's up? Uh, I'll tell you what. These uh, people that go to court and stuff, they need to start filling in some papers and send it to in the court, tell them, their, you know, what they know and stuff against their rules. See, you got when you go in the court, you got to take their rules against them, what they post to uphold, like the Constitution and all that. Well, it's easier said than done. I mean, sometimes you bring up the Constitution, the judge will find you in contempt because he doesn't want the Constitution brought up in his courtroom. Yeah, I've been threatened with it's that admissible, several times. Though. It's admissible, though. Well, not if the judge says He's it's a not. Crook. He's ju- a crook. Right, they That's are. Fine. Then the judge says, uh, I have ruled that the, that the uh, Constitution doesn't apply or doesn't matter in this case. And I believe the judge is probably right when he says that because... When you're, if you're claiming to be a United States citizen on some document, you filled out some government form and check off the box, United States citizen, you have condemned yourself to be a second class citizen. Um, you are, you are no longer a first class citizen and you no longer have these rights secured by the constitution because United States citizens per the 14th amendment, federal United States citizens are subject to the jurisdiction of the United States and they have privileges and immunities, not God given constitutionally secured rights. And also if you're using a date of birth, uh, I believe that I I believe the date of birth, uh, ties people into this jurisdiction because, 
Uh, the date of birth is essentially intellectual property uh, that the government is charged to enforce. Uh, this is why <clears throat> I don't tell these guys a date of birth because I don't have a date of birth. You want to you compel me to say I have a date of birth? I think that's like tying a guy to a post and beating him until he says his name is Toby, as far as I'm concerned. Hmm. James? We're in big trouble this year, by the way. Why? July the 4th and uh, 9-11 of this year, it adds all up. You know what I'm talking about, Jim Montre? No. What I don't that? know what What's that, that is. Well, it's 18. 21 is 777, the lower uh, gods. But 18, 6 plus 6 plus 6 is 18. 18. What is eight, where does 18 come from, though? What's 6? And where do the 3 6s come Well, you got to add all, like, uh, okay, 911. 911. That's 11. 20, 23. You got to all add 20, up all the numbers. Okay. And it comes yeah. out to 18, and you, you know, 666 is 18. This is okay. some numerology okay. stuff you're talking about. Yeah, right? that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Germantria, what I was told. Gematria? Is that is that the word? Gematria. Gematria or whatever. I've heard, yeah. I've heard of it. I don't know really what it means. I bet if Bonnie were here, she'd be able to tell us a little bit about that. She's so, into the so, numbers. So if there's a false flag, mm-hmm. there's a false flag happen on that day. It's, it's because it's, uh, they planned it. You think a false flag would happen on 9-11 or just any old day? July 4th, he said. It happened on 9-11 before, uh-huh. the right, World right. Trade Center. So, mm-hmm. so so, are you saying, when, when's this false flag going to happen according to your uh Well, Well, I don't know if it will or not, but if it does happen that day, you know, it's it, it was already planned. They See, the higher-ups, they call them the elite, mm-hmm. the bigwigs. They use this kind of stuff. I call them the pedophile yeah. elite. Gematria yeah, is, well, according to Wikipedia, the practice of assigning a numerical value to a name, word, or phrase according to an alphanumeric cipher. So, yeah, this is related they're, to... They're a cult, though. They're the occult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there is something to that. Uh, there's a lot of really weird stuff. Like, if you go to VigilantCitizen.com, there's all kinds of weird uh, occult stuff that goes on in, like, pop culture and the politicians are into it or whatever. There's some creepy stuff that's going on out there. There's one more thing I, before I leave. Yes, sir. I want you to look up these words. Hmm. Alien enemy resident and uh, the loss of nationality. Alien enemy residents? Yep. And the loss of nationalities. Well, the loss of nationality is when they swore an oath and stuff, uphold the Constitution. And it says that they list five ways you could lose your United States citizenship. Mm -hmm. You never had it in the first place, though. What now? You never had a citizenship in the first place. It's just a big lie. Well, when... Well, we're citizens, alien enemies. No, resident. that's just what they tell you. No, no, no. They're just lying to you. See, Jamie, if you look up the word citizen, uh, in any old dictionary, you'll find it's someone who owes a duty of allegiance in return for an obligation of protection. Simple. It's supposed to be well, an arrangement. It's name. supposed to be a deal. And they it have no obligation to protect you, Jamie. They, uh, they in their Supreme Court, have ruled many times that they have no obligation uh-huh. to protect you. Uh-huh. So, therefore, if there's no obligation to protect... You could not possibly owe them a duty of allegiance. Therefore, there is no such thing as a as a citizen. It's called a Smith Act. What's that? 
back in the day. That's another name for what I just told you. Alien enemy resident. Okay. It's called the Smith Act back in the back right. in the day. Well, hey, thanks for the call tonight, man. I appreciate it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. You can bring up anything. Let's talk to Gigi in South Carolina. Go ahead, Gigi. Good evening, everybody. Please excuse me. I'm I'm with a very bad case of laryngitis. I have a question for everybody listening this evening across the U.S. of A. Now, it mm. reinforces the former caller's concept of constitution mm. and civil liberties. Why? And I'm asking this in a facetious manner with someone of a strong-minded, accomplished, successful, legal, and academic credentials, why did the grand jury this evening in Miami-Dade County, Florida, grant seven indictments against former President Donald J. Trump when... And I emphasize when the alleged cause, in parentheses, S, close parentheses, of alleged actions slash actions allegedly take place in Palm Beach County, wrong jurisdiction. Okay, wait a minute. You're saying this came, the indictment came from Miami and... Uh, From Miami-Dade County uh Federal Courthouse earlier this evening. I can answer your question. Hmm. My question is, when there is an alleged cause or causes of action, a grand jury must coincide directly with the jurisdiction unless... A change of venue has been filed, which never happened thus far. What is going on? Okay. Go ahead with your answer, Jay. Well, so um, so if the question is basically why did they indict him, you know, the... No, uh, that's not what my question is, sir. Oh, sorry. She the seems to be... seven indictments all came from a federal grand jury out of the jurisdiction... Mm-hmm. For the federal court of Miami right, right. County, Florida, yeah. not Palm Beach. Palm Beach is like, but but I mean, Gigi, I'm looking at a map here. Uh, Palm Beach is 70 miles away from Miami, so the matter the jurisdiction of the alleged. Okay, but we're talking about federal court, so I just I've got a map here. Matter. There are federal courts in every county. No, that's not true. Yes, there are. Uh, okay, so Gigi, um, I mean, you're a lawyer. I would expect you, at least I, I'm pretty sure you've told us you're a lawyer before. I would expect that you would know that. Uh, South Carolina. Okay, well, maybe you've never done federal cases before, but in federal court, they have but different. I did. Okay, well, not then you in should. South then... Carolina. All right, in well, California, look, I'm not trying to tell you your business, Gigi, but in federal court, they have districts. Okay, and so Florida has three of them, according to uh, the map that I pulled up here. And, right, uh, but the... these were partly state violations. Well, I don't know so how she could be indicted in federal court on a state violation. Maybe they can, but either way, if it's it a has federal to coincide court. coincide with the jurisdiction. Okay, but if it's a federal court. 
and it's all within the Southern District of Florida, then it then doesn't matter. Kosher. Huh? Then you are correct, sir. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeing here on the map. So according to the map, Palm Beach and Miami are both in the Southern uh, Federal District of Florida. So I think that explains it. But I, I think the more important question here is what is the indictment? Uh, and I, I am seeing here this is apparently breaking news tonight. So first, that There are so-called seven causes of action that he was indicted on in Miami-Dade County. Okay, apparently, according to CNBC.com and their reporting on this, the nature are not public of the charges. The indictment is currently sealed. So uh, They're talking about it on MSNBC. They're talking oh, I'm about sure they're it talking on about it CNBC. Everywhere. They're talking about it on CNN. They're talking about it, but they don't know anything about it yet. That is the thing. I mean, they're just talking about the fact that it's happening. It is Wait, in the process, but we don't know any of the details. Those are always different issues, right? Yeah, well, we don't know what the issues are at this point. Presumably, knowing the feds are likely going to be felony charges just because they don't usually waste their time with uh, with misdemeanors. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out as he is attempting to actually run for uh, political office in 2024. Well, here's a good follow-up question, everybody. Can somebody run for federal office if they are being indicted. Yes. yes or no? Yes, they can. Yes, I knew I loved you. <laughs> okay. Gigi, thanks for the... That's my understanding. I'm not a lawyer, but it's my understanding you can That's run. correct. Yeah. And that's why you're very bright, and I have a terrible crush on you. I love your Oh, thanks, Gigi. I don't think you can run if you're convicted, though. While you're actually serving your sentence out... Uh, you would not be able to run, but as soon as you're, you've served the time in the probation, then you can run again at that point, even if you're a federal Ask you a question. Yes. Can a nice Jewish girl fall in love with a Catholic boy? Probably. I think so. Okay. Thanks, Gigi. I appreciate it. I don't, I don't know who the Catholic boy is, but certainly not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, so Trump's been indicted. There, uh, that's pretty big breaking news right now, and and we already knew that he was indicted in New York City in the district of uh, or not federal. That was state charges in uh, in New York out of Manhattan. So he went up there. I don't know what was that two months ago or something like that for those charges. You know, they, now they're hitting him again in Florida in federal court. So <clears throat> they're going after Trump. They're indicting Trump. Uh, mm-hmm. Ghislaine Maxwell is doing 20 years in prison right. for running a, a, a prostitute, a child prostitution sex ring. Uh, and none of her clients have been indicted. Um, but yet you're going after Trump. Uh, and, and you know, uh, Mel Gibson is coming out with a four-part series explaining, like, the $34 billion American child sex trafficking business to where 800,000 children a year in the United States a year ago missing. Do you think he's going to indict Hollywood in this particular production? He is talking about indicting Hollywood. I think that the media is going to come out very hard against Mel Gibson. I think that they're going to all the all the the sure. corporate horse stream media like CNN and mm-hmm. MSNBC and all these guys that, you know, ran cover for Epstein when stuff was against him and like you had Vice and 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 VH1 doing like puff pieces on Epstein, all these guys running cover for the pedophile elite. Um, and Mel Gibson is, uh, you know, come out uh, against us and and he's talking about how, you know, they, they went to uh, Ukraine to like go look into this because they had a name of like uh, 10 or 20 kids that had been like trafficked that they were going to investigate. And what they found in this little snippet I, you know, uh, heard about Mel Gibson's thing, they come up with 10,000 
uh, names of children that have gone missing and got uh, sex trafficked. And actually, Putin had been talking about 10, this. 10,000 from Ukraine? Yeah, 10,000 Ukrainian children mm-hmm. you know, being sex trafficked out of Ukraine by Biden's friends, who he's, he's been you know, doing Maybe business deals with, and Biden's son. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that you know President Joe Biden's a pedophile. His daughter talked about it in you know, her, Ashley Biden's diary. We know that— His son uh, allegedly had him in his phone as under the name Pedo Peter. Yep, and, and, and you can see him just—you know, the guy's a demented, like— you know the dude who's all, he's always like groping little girls and sniffing their yep. hair there's all all these uh, lots com- of video of that yep there's there's lots of video of that so <clears throat> we have 800,000 kids a year going missing in the United States a 34 billion dollar sex trafficking industry we have um like there's uh ex CIA agents coming out talking about this there's Well they're too busy uh going after crypto sellers and you and, know Donald Trump right, to, and Donald Trump to yeah. be bothered going after the actual like child sex traffickers Yeah and you, you know? got the, you know you got the uh, the fentanyl over doses you got um all kinds of stuff and basically what you have is you have uh, america is being um you know essentially they're uh, destroyed from within as we always knew that's what the fall would be that's basically what every you know scholar in history says it'll collapse from you know an enemy within and uh yeah they're attacking people uh that aren't doing anything wrong and they are just turning their head on people who are literally raping children the number, if you want to join us here, 603-283-6160. We got uh, Trump, of course, has taken to his Truth Social account to speak out about this. We'll share uh, his post coming up here in a moment. You can share your thoughts as well. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Talk Live. We are kicking off the third hour of the show. The phones are open here at 603 That's 603-283-6160. Talking about the corrupt court systems, uh, specifically the one attacking you and your family, Jay. Yes. Uh, here in New Hampshire, the New Hampshire Circuit Court. Coming back with a guilty verdict in a so-called child endangerment case. I have a copy of the verdict here that you provided me, and we are going to share that. Uh, coming up here in a moment, we do also still, of course, take your calls and thoughts about whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. And the breaking news tonight that Donald Trump has been indicted by a grand jury, and of course, as they say, you can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich, so that's that's not a surprise. Uh, they'll they'll do whatever it is that the prosecutors want them to do. It doesn't really matter whether or not he's going to be found guilty, of course, of whatever these charges are, obviously still remains to be seen. Uh, Trump apparently did make a video statement about this, which, of course, the media is not bothering to link to. But they're saying that Trump called the charges election interference at the highest level. The charges, by the way, are currently sealed. So, uh, you know, Trump may know what they are, but... No one else does at this point. Maybe his attorney and Trump, but publicly the information is not available yet as to what the seven counts might possibly be. Uh, Now, these aren't related to the New York State grand jury charges uh, in regards to the alleged hush money payment to that uh, porn, the alleged porn star. Trump called these charges election interference at the highest level on Truth Social, which is his Mastodon site. Trump wrote, quote, I never thought it possible that such a thing could happen to a former president of the United States. I am an innocent man, he wrote in all caps. This is indeed a dark day for the United States of America. And I have to agree, I also 
did not think it was possible. I thought for sure that him being an ex-president would preclude any kind of charges uh, being brought against him, and I was surprised that uh, that they did bring charges, not only at the state level in New York, but also federally in the what looks like Southern Federal District Court in Florida. So Trump is expected to be in federal court on Tuesday, presumably for an arraignment uh, in this matter. And this is ostensibly in relation to the raid. If you recall, last year, Trump's home was raided by right, the FBI. Yeah, by the FBI, which, of course, that alone was was a first. That was what made me realize, oh, my God, the, you know, the, the rules are not what they used to be here. It used to be if you were in the government at the highest levels like a president, you were completely untouchable as far as a criminal uh, charge, as far as a raid on your home. And the fact that they raided his home was what, you know, okay, well, I thought he was safe, but nope, he's definitely not safe. Uh, being the president did not help him in this particular case. They are coming at him, and it's seven charges now. And, of course, we know that in the uh, the Crypto 6 case, they brought out more than a dozen more charges down the line against us uh, when I and, uh, and Aria refused to take their plea offer initially. Yeah, they turned up the heat. They did. Yep. So so it's similar, eight charges. Similar right. thing happened in my case. They mm-hmm. you know, it escalated it to, hey, we're going to contempt charge against you. We're going to put you in prison unless you let us interview your daughter alone. You still didn't do it. Well, the contempt charge got vacated by mm-hmm. the chief of police because of uh, there was a gross mis- mischaracterization of the facts because th- th- these social workers just lied, straight up made up stuff out of thin air. You know that I, that I'm anti-government, that I'm dangerous, that I uh, live on a compound with lookouts, <laughs> uh, and they said the police said this stuff, and I got an affidavit rebutting it from the police. Who are the lookouts? The chickens? In I have your, no idea. <laughs> chicken coop. Uh, Trump said in his social media posts that, quote, the corrupt Biden administration has informed my attorneys that I've been indicted seemingly over the boxes hoax. And he's referring to the alleged records that were found in his home, allegedly of copy or sorry, uh, classified documents, which they're going to say maybe were a violation of some sort of federal you know, document handling rules. When I hear that somebody's gotten indicted, you know, what that means to me. Nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like saying somebody's racist because they didn't marry a girl that was a different color of them. Yeah. Yeah, literally. So we'll keep you up to date as this story continues to develop. This is breaking news. Let's go to the phones. Tim is in Florida. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. I'm in Florida, and I only did what they told me to, told me to, told me to, told me to. Um, I did call about numerology, uh, but while I was on hold, I heard Gigi, and my blood pressure started to go up. So I, I loaded a big bowl, and I smoked it, and I'm feeling better. And I okay. just want to say that, uh, you know, she's right. If MSNBC said it, it must be true. Well, I mean, um, I think the truth is that he's been indicted. We just don't know any of the details right now. And it was Trump himself who apparently announced uh, that he is being indicted. So, I mean, that that much is definitely uh, likely the case. Yeah, that's a big surprise. Uh, well, uh, so here's the problem with uh, numerology, and I realize he used a different word. Um, which you talked about our I'm, earlier caller uh, was Jamie in Kentucky, who was saying that because it is the year 2023, uh, if you were to take 9/11 and uh, 7/4, which is you know July 4th, 
and you add that to the number 2023, you get 18, which he says is 666. So therefore, he's predicting yeah. uh, that there's going to be some sort of a false flag on one or the other of those days. I mean, you could just reverse engineer that and come up with any you know, numbers sure you, can. you want. <laughs> uh, and I'm about to. I'm about to reverse engineer it. Okay. 18, if you add 1 plus 8, yes, 6 plus 6 plus 6 equals 18. But you're supposed to take it one step further. So he he did reverse numerology. If you take it one step further, it becomes nine, and nine is the divine number of God. I so, thought that was seven. There you go. Uh, it's, uh, not, I'm pretty sure it's nine. Probably know, just depends who you ask. It depends what religion you yeah. ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything else, Tim? Yeah. Um, well, if you take it a step further now, six 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 has a meaning. Uh, in Revelation, uh, if you use Hebrew numerology, which I actually think is what he was referring to, it starts with the G, I can't pronounce Gematria it. Gematria was the word? Yep, Gematria. Mm-hmm. I think that actually is specific to Hebrew. And yeah. NRN, so there's a consonant N in the Hebrew numerology, uh, Gematria, which is 600. So this is different than, like, like numeral- regular numerology goes basically 1 through 9, like A equals 1, B equals 2, and so on. And it, right. when, when you get to 9, you start over. Um, but Hebrew numerology or geometria, I, I think it's the same thing. It, so some consonants, for example, it would be 600, and then another consonant would be 60, and another consonant would be 6. Okay. And basically it corresponds to NRN, which would be Greek, uh, a Hebrew representation of Greek, meaning near NRN or Nero. They basically left out the vowels. And, but Nero was actually a Roman emperor, and in Latin they did leave out. They didn't have, they didn't use vowels. The vowels were implied, um, and he was the one that, at the time that Revelation was written, was persecuting the Christians and burning down, uh, you know, bur- basically burning down Rome. And so you're saying, uh, due to the Hebrew interpretation, six 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 is uh, representative of Nero. Yeah, and it was code because they didn't have freedom of speech. So the Christians were basically writing about Nero, who was, you know, basically out to kill them all. Interesting theory. Thank you, Tim, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's go to Sarah in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Sarah. Oh, yes. Uh, I just want to... What do you think about the Trump indictment, Sarah? Hi. Yes, I just was reaching for the phone, and you call, You got my call. So, so we got... Thousands of New Mexico drivers. Are you excited about the the Trump indictment? I mean, is that uh, something that's interesting to you? Well, no, it doesn't doesn't matter what happens to him. It just okay. uh, that's irrelevant. I re- I really don't really care. All you right. know, fair enough. That's, I don't think it's important. I. So I think you're that, probably right about that. I mean, it is kind of interesting from the aspect that he is a former president and he doesn't have that protection that seems like former presidents have tended to have. So from a, you know, from a crossing of the Rubicon uh, kind of perspective, it's a, it's a pretty unusual move for the feds to make. It really just goes to show that, you know, no one is safe from federal attack, not even a federal president. But I get that you're, you know, you're focused more locally on things that you can control. And I, I can't blame you for that. So what else? Well, especially, did you know that we have, we technically have 300,000 um, revoked suspended driver's license in New Mexico? So 800,000 or 300,000? 308. 308,000. I see. I see. That's all? Okay. And they're all basically <laughs> from speeding camera tickets and um, speeding tickets and traffic ca- uh, um, citations. Mm-hmm. So, in, so, 
we just they just passed the law in one more week. They're going to get their license back. Cool. Thanks to our state legislature. That, that is good news because those people driving around with uh, suspended licenses are basically uh, real close to being executed by a trigger happy, irresponsible cop mm-hmm. that is that is uh, given qualified immunity and basically can you know shoot people. Um, you know, cause maybe this guy who's got a suspended license is like, oh man, I got to get, get to work. I got to get to work. I'm going to, you know, try to slip right. away and it turns into a chase or whatever. And the thing is, is <clears throat> I, um, I was thinking about this actually traveling in, uh, cause a friend of mine had called me from, um, uh, I can't remember what Georgia or Alabama, but somewhere around there, he got a, a, a speeding ticket from a camera and I was like, oh, yeah, there's like some YouTube videos uh, uh, where it's uh, videos of the courtroom where this fat piece of turd uh, lawyer representative sits there all day in court representing basically the um, company that is running these uh, cameras. And these mm-hmm. companies make tremendous amount of money like Raytheon, you know, uh, does this and some other, you know, uh, basically, com- com- you know, these big corporations that work with government. Um, and the guy just, I mean, what kind of low level turd are you that you're just going to sit there and extract steal from people with pen and paper through this red light camera stuff. So I hope Uh, that that company goes belly up. Me too. Well, that's one thing, but here in New Mexico, it's like one out of five people can't drive. So then they have to reinstate it because like you said, nobody could go to work. Nobody could go to school because they, 308 yeah, it's a huge chunk of the population. I'm looking here. Uh, New Mexico has just over 2.1 million people living there. And obviously some of those 2.1 million are going to be kids, right? So they can't drive. Or just people who don't have licenses in general for right. whatever reason. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if this was like, you know, uh, what is it? One out of, uh, it's, it's one more out than of one out of ten. You're saying it's one out of five. Wow. Yeah, one out of five. So That's crazy. Then they have to pretty much let them drive, but... But still, it will be, um, they have to pay. In other words, it will go to the collection. Of course they have to pay. Price. The government, that's all they want. That's all they ever want is they, they, want, they want money out of you. Yeah, they're just extracting from people. I mean, the people are the cattle and the milk is the dollars is basically what's going on here. Thanks for the call, Sarah. Let's continue. We have uh, Mr. Butt calling from New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Any thoughts on this uh, news from Sarah? What'd you call me? Mr. B-U-T-T, Mr. Butt. Yeah, no, 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 no. You reprogrammed me in your caller ID as my proper name since I've transitioned to major pain in the butt. Nah, it's too long. You stop. No, we're just gonna try. We're just gonna truncate it to Mr. Butt. It's three more words than the than the two words. All right. So what do you got there, Mister? I got a bunch of stuff for Jay. I did. I don't. I didn't hear what Sarah said. I. Was, uh, she says they're going to grant people's uh, license uh, driving or ability to drive back. There's like 300,000 people in New Mexico that can't drive out well, of have suspended, uh, license. suspended licenses. They're going to let them drive again if they pay up. Cool. Yeah, yeah. well, they probably ought to. I, need, I would need more information, but it sounds like a good idea. I, I agree. Um, I agree. All right, what's up? So, so there's, uh, I got a bunch of uh, stuff for you that by listening to your entire program and, and all the other days I've heard you, Jay, I've listened to you for several hours. Um, there are some things that I don't think that you know because I haven't heard you mention them. Um, and uh, first of all, let me start out with, with something that's uh, not necessarily related only to Jay's uh, 
uh, case that's related related to lots of cases. But I, I believe I'm speculating that's a legal term that the reason that judges in a lower court say that they're not dealing with constitutional law in this court is because their court is established to decide uh, issues of statutory law or whatever it may be. That and makes then, sense. Yeah. And then if your constitutional rights have been violated in the process of your case being adjudicated in the statutory court, then those constitutional rights will be addressed on appeal uh, all the way up to and including the, the Supreme Court of the United States, if necessary. That's what I speculate. And uh, mo- moving forward, some, and I, I can, you can get this from me, uh, uh, or you, well, you can, you can re-listen to this recording. You're not, you won't be able to copy this all down. I don't want to bore people with uh, the information that I have, or you can contact me separately. But some things that you need to be aware of, and I'll just rattle off a few things that apply to your, your case with your wife and your child. Uh, and let me just paraphrase, first of all, so you can understand where I'm going is that there, there's some federal legislation that was passed. Hillary, Hillary, Hillary Rotten Clinton was behind a lot of it. She helped move it through. And we're talking about uh, the Social Security Act of 19, I don't know what it was, 74 or whatever, that established a Title IV-E thingy, which gave, gave, took federal money and gave it to states uh, to uh, uh, take terminate par- parental rights like your, like you, and your wife from your own children in a court proceeding and then put those children in foster care. And the law says that if you don't remedy that situation um, within 50, uh, I'm sorry, if your child is in foster care in uh, any of the 15, any 15 of the last 22 months, then they can terminate your parental rights and adopt your child Whoa. to somebody else. Yeah, and, that's what they do. Uh, yeah, and, atta- and and yes, there is money attached to all this. The, the title, the Social, Secure, Social Security Act of whatever, 1974, no, 94, I think it was, um, uh, dash E, also attaches uh, money incentives to the states to do all of these things. Uh, also, uh, for the evil people out there that might want to steal your child from you because they might be childless, a good way for them to do it is what they do is they apply to the state and become a foster parent. And, and, and then when they receive a, as Jay said, a, a nice little blonde haired blue eyed, uh, uh, white kid, uh, that's got no, no, no issues other than there's a question about their parents. Then, uh, the, if, if they manage to, to, uh, be a foster parent to that child for 15 out of the last 22 months, then they can petition the court, uh, as the foster parents to adopt your child from you and the court will terminate your rights to your own child and adopt them to somebody else. And now this is through the, this is through the uh, CPS, DY, whatever uh, uh, systems. And, and if you remember, oh, let me uh, interject Martin, uh, Pastor Martin Niemuller once again, because uh, people are sick of hearing about me uh, telling you these things for the last 15 years. But uh, the, the things that have happened to me in the last 15 years, even though CPS was not involved in my case. My case was just a divorce, mm-hmm. a private divorce. Um, uh, had these things been uh, seriously attended to 15 years ago, they might not be happening to Jay Noon now. And so that's Pastor Martin Niemöller when he talked about uh, commies and socialists and trade unionists and Jews 
uh, and nobody cared about them because they weren't one until it happened to them and there was nobody left to help them. Okay, so yeah, these guys um, have been getting screwed over for decades in the the family courts, and there's you know very little reform that has actually happened. There, well, here's some law that has reformed things: the Social Security Act of 1994 or whatever year it was that Hillary Rodden Clinton uh, helped to get through to traffic children um, uh, was modified by the uh, ASFA Adoption and Safe Families Act. Uh, which m- modified the the previous slightly. So you need to. Uh, I've done a bunch of reading on. I can't tell you know I can't bore your listeners with what I've read about them. You need to read it yourself, and you'll see. In addition to the 15 slash 22 month thing that I just gave you, another thing that the uh, the the children's courts, families courts, domestic relations courts, whatever court you're in that deals with this stuff, and it varies state by state by state. Um, but but some states like California might be might be the last one. You, you know you know the burden of proof called uh, beyond a reasonable doubt for for a criminal case, mm-hmm. and you know the burden of proof called uh, uh, clear and convincing uh, for a uh, civil case, uh, and and more typically uh, simply a preponderance of evidence. Right. Well, in a children's court, if a state doesn't want to, they don't even have to give the parents the benefit of the preponderance of evidence, wow. they, can use, they can use the burden of proof simply being the best interest of the child. So if I'm the judge, wow. if I'm the judge and I say, this child that, that uh, came out of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Noon here would be the best interest for this child would be, ad- be to, to be adopted to this foster family over here. And I hereby uh, side against uh, Mr. and Mrs. Noon and I'm, terminating their parental rights and I'm adopting their children to this foster family because it's best and best is by definition subjective not ob- sure objective. according to the judge and of course the judge right. wants what's best for the state ultimately and that means putting children in the hands money, of status money, money. Yeah, the, the judge wants the, what's the, best for his own financial benefit and the financial benefit of they them and those who are protecting him mm-hmm. so this is oh, where we're speaking we're... of those jay speaking of those jay afcc you know what the afcc is right no association of and so i don't make a liar it's, uh, it's afcc and i just wrote it down let me uh, Association of Family Conciliation Courts. Those are the that's uh, AKA the the courthouse cottage industry people, meaning mm-hmm. lawyers and guardians ad litem and social workers mm-hmm. and forensic psychologists. Et cetera, All the people who make their living off of separating yeah. children from their families. Right. So you need to be aware. You need to read about the uh, AF. CC Association of Family and Conciliation Courts, because that's all those people, and then they lobby the legislatures uh, and the courts to get laws and rules. Because uh, courts don't just follow laws; whatever the laws don't cover, the courts allowed to make their own damn rule, any damn rule that they want, as long as it's not in violation of uh, state or federal law. Um, yeah, oh, and, yeah. Well, rule other- number one. I always like to point out rule one point one of the New Hampshire District Courts, which isn't the same courts, but you'll see this in a lot of places, is that the court, uh, the judge, can uh, waive the rules at yep. any time in the yep. quote-unquote interest of justice. Good information tonight. Right. Uh, thank you for the call. I appreciate it here. The number is 603. I saw Jay making notes, so he was paying attention. So a quick commentary on this. A couple of things. Yeah. So um, uh, a major, that was a, a very productive call, and thank you. I did take some notes. So uh, we are fans, uh, Ian, of the New Hampshire exit. Uh, yeah, that's right. Independence. So. Sure. Uh, DCYF has <clears throat> you. I have yet to find somebody who can tell me that unless they're a government employee, 
but I have found I can't find anybody who can tell me that DCYF is a useful good um, operation. Everybody dislikes them, and most mm-hmm. government employees too. Huh. Uh, the only people that like them are like these bureaucratic, pay- pencil pushing desk jockey parasite class, right. like the people who work in a prosecutor's office. But every cop I've talked to, um, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't really like DCYF. Every municipal employee that like does real work, like paves a road and plows, and mm-hmm. those kind of guys, all you know, very much dislike them. And and I have yet anybody to like. Uh, um, Interesting, that, but. DCYF gets all of its power from the federal money. Anybody who has been a, a victim of DCYF should, be, by default, support New Hampshire Exit because that would eliminate essentially CPS in New Hampshire. We got more coming up here. Uh, you can join the show. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Bring up whatever is on your mind, and we still have the verdict in your wife's case, at least part one of it. Yeah, Jay, that's coming up here in moments if we get the chance. It's free talk live. Join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Jay in the studio tonight. Join us online, of course, anytime. You can join the uh, chat server over at chat.freetalklive.com and interact with other Free Talk Live listeners there. The instructions. Actually, when you go to chat.freetalklive.com, you go to the instructions page. That uh, will take you through the steps that you need to go through. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash. It's digital cash. It's a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending, unlike, well, most of the other ones. Uh, a lot of these other ones are just meme coins and all kinds of like technical gar- uh, jargon that most people won't ever be able to understand. But people do understand spending, and Dash is good at that. In fact, Dash was, uh, they've, they've launched something recently, just I think it was last year, early last year. They launched a killer app. That allows you to spend your Dash at over 155,000 locations across the United States, including major retailers. And the best part is you get a discount for paying with Dash. So this is one of the reasons why people don't use cryptos because they think, oh, number will go up. And so they just hold on to it forever. They don't ever actually use it. What's this app called again? D- uh, Dash Direct. And Captain Kickass is a big user of this. He was a Dash Direct user before they were sponsoring Free Talk Live. Because it works, and it works really well. Uh, It allows you to spend your Dash, and you get a discount. Now, each business that you go to, each chain or whatever, they all have different discount levels. So some of them might be as low as like 1% or 2%. Others maybe 4%, 5 6%. And there's a few of them that are like 7 8 9%. So it just depends on what discount they're offering. You can check that when you get the app. It is available on the Android or Apple App Store. It's called Dash Direct. And uh, Dash is, by the way, one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. It's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash. Uh, you can start by learning more over at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. So we go to Major Payne on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Remember last week I called and I told you about Arizona trying to steal my grandchildren? Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm getting tired of crying in my beer over this. I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me and my ex-wife many years ago. This social worker from Michigan tried to steal our children. Mm. And uh, wow. 
Bonnie had run off with the kids, and she was in the questionable circumstances, so I can understand why DSS got called. But the woman that ended up being in charge of the case, turns out she had like three or four of her, she had all of her own children removed from her. So how in the hell can she have standing to judge whether other people are pertinent, relevant, good parents or not? I don't know. It's crazy. She must know somebody. This is super common. There's thousands of them in California of this basically, you know, they have, uh, they couldn't get hired by a daycare because they couldn't pass the Corey test. But but they can be a foster parent? Well, they're working for CPS and they can be a foster parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, they've made the foster parent rules in here. They just made them a whole lot more dense and stiff. And you pretty much got to count the peanuts and corns in your turds and give them every bit of information that they demand or you're you're not getting a license. Hmm. So a lot of people that probably would have been good foster parents that actually gave a damn are like, I'm not jumping through all these flaming freaking hoops. Mm -hmm. What else, Major? Well, as far as Sarah and the uh, whole New Mexico driver's license fiasco, you just got to take into consideration New Mexico. Or Arizona, right? Uh, New Mexico. No, she's in New Mexico, right? Yep. Yeah. she's in New Mexico. New Mexico is not as big as Arizona. I was thinking about Arizona and right. Texas, too. I mean, they're, they're huge, flat states. And it's 100 miles from water and hole to water and hole. So people have a tendency to do 100 miles an hour on the highway. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a bunch of jack wagon troopers, you're going to have a whole bunch of people that don't have licenses anymore. Yeah, that's that's the case. I mean, one out of five people, apparently, there. Uh, anything else you want to share, Major? Well, as far as the whole Trump thing, they just keep going after him with the hounds of hell. And it's it's become painfully obvious to me. They're scared of this man because he won't jump through their hoops. He's not one of their cronies. They don't have no I don't know. I just time. don't buy it. I mean, obviously he's not enough of a crony, but clearly he's got enough uh, crony connections to get where he did get, and he didn't, you know, drain the swamp while he was there. So the whole idea that he was well, in there to tear up the place. That's about the only presidential promise he made that he actually couldn't complete. Oh, that's and nonsense. the swamp wasn't built in four years, and it ain't going to be drained in four yeah, years. Yeah, that's just a he load did. of uh, crap. I'll, I'll, all of, the, all of the promises, pretty much, that he made on the campaign trail, he kept. Yeah, he didn't put Hillary in prison. In my yeah. whole life, I don't believe it, Major. I don't know what all the promises were because I don't pay attention to these liars. Hey, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, so, Jay, we got the verdict here in your case. Is that more important to read than your uh, statement from the police chief? What do you think? I think the statement's a little more important to read right. because, you know, one of the things I'm doing here is I'm fishing for whistleblowers within the system. Mm-hmm. And, they're hard uh, to find. Well, somebody's out there is going to have some stuff. I believe mm-hmm. that uh, that DCYF is uh, scouting to take children, yep. especially after watching the Save the Babies uh, uh, documentary and the Save Baby Cyrus uh, uh, documentary, and you know, reading about this Mel Gibson thing that he's going to do, and you know, the Ukraine stuff and the Biden connections with Ukraine, and all of these people involved in government, they all worship the Biden campaign. All the government employees are uh, employee unions, the teachers' unions, these um, <clears throat> state worker unions, especially, like like the state workers are two different people. Like the guys that plow the road, they give their, their campaign you know donations to mostly uh, Republicans, uh, the working class government, you know, parasites. And then, you know, the 
the desk jockey ones, you know, the lawyers, the supervisors, the people in DCYF, uh, for example, all, almost all of them, the school teachers, they donate very heavily to the Democrat campaigns. Um, sure they do. And, uh, you know, you, you just go like, you know, you just go to the courthouse and you just go to the prosecutor's office and you can see that there's like Biden stickers on cars. <laughs> um, and, you know, so any, I mean, if I see someone with a Biden sticker on their car and like they're going to their car, I'm like, why are you supporting a pedophile? What's wrong with you? Hmm. Are you a pedophile? Oh, they get really pissed when you start asking them that question. So <clears throat> anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, so you've uh, got a letter from the town police chief from this the town is, you live in? This is an affidavit, not a letter. This was an mm-hmm. affidavit that was filed in family court, Hillsborough Family Court, Hillsborough, New Hampshire. This is what got the charge dropped against you? This is what you? got contempt the uh, contempt order uh, mm-hmm. uh, dropped against us. So mm-hmm. this is, this was a motion to intervene, a motion to correct, to correct. Uh, and uh, this was um, the uh, in a motion to vacate the contempt charge that was done by the Henniker chief of police. And this is his, and this is part of his affidavit. I got this in a right to know request, and I only got a couple pages of. It. I didn't get the entire thing. This is not. So he didn't give this to you. I got this in a right to know request. Oh, um, interesting. So that's but all. You, I'm and say did you about. ask him to write this to the court? Uh, no. Okay. No, I, I, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. Like, but you know, he saw something was wrong. Right. Okay. Like, like this is guy's a good family man and he wants the world to be a better place for his kids. Hmm. And he understands like, you know, you know what happens when, you know, people lie and, and this explains wow. lies. How'd he so, end up as a police chief? That's crazy. Um, you know, uh, the dude's got a stellar reputation in town. I have not heard anybody say a bad word about this That's guy. That's amazing. You and, lucked out because a lot and, of these guys are total thugs. Yeah, because you just go to like Concord and or even like Ware's gotten a lot better. Ware, mm-hmm. the, Ware's got a new police police chief and he's got a um, good reputation with the people of Ware currently. I haven't heard anybody, hmm. but like the people of Ware and just, you know, with the uh, former administration, this is Ware, New Hampshire, a town just south of Henniker. Um, they were very upset with the uh, chief of police there. Oh uh, yeah, because, more than once because he literally created you know millions of dollars worth of liabilities because the Ware Police Department kept on getting sued, kept on sure. getting sued for the same pattern of activity, total corruption. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, on March 29th, Jay Noon, father of child at issue, this is last year, right? Yep, contacted me via phone and offered to meet at a local restaurant in an attempt to engage the family after DCYF was uh, unable to develop any kind of dialogue with them, I agreed to meet him. Hmm. Uh, this is after he had left a business card at my place and said, please call me. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I, there, uh, I thereafter met with Mr. New, Mrs. Spaulding, and both children and was able to observe the familial interactions as well as the behaviors and appearances of the children. Following my meeting, I discussed the outcome with DCYF caseworkers and attempted to explain the parents' perspective and my observations of the children. I relayed that the children's clothes were clean and that they both had clean faces, ears, and noses. Additionally, the baby's scalp was clear or was clean and clear, and the two year old was energetic and active. Like most two year olds, as parents of two and a police officer of over 29 years with experience in child neglect and abuse, it was clear to me that these children were not neglected. Mm. I Bam. relate. I mean, if you had to just stop reading there, that'd be all you'd need, right? Right. right. Yeah. You know, and and they, yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. When I relayed my observations to the caseworkers, they commented in a negative manner about the rambunctiousness of the two-year-old, who several times exited the <laughs> restaurant. Now, uh, these social workers don't have kids, right? In fact, the one social worker. 
uh, has stolen children. She has adopted children. Wow. She's a foster mom. And she's married to a woman mm-hmm. that works in the Department of Corrections for the state of New Hampshire. Jeez. These are just career parasites. Right. <clears throat> um, uh, a manner about the rambunctiousness of the two-year-old who several times exited the restaurant. Again, acting normally for a two-year-old. Note that the child was in no immediate danger upon exiting the restaurant as it opens into a very large flat patio and not into the parking lot or roadway. So this was in the motion for a contempt. Mm -hmm. She basically wrote that the kid was like running around Mm -hmm. uh, unattended. And this was the reason that, you know, they needed to um, interview my child or put me and my wife in a prison, you know, in a jail cell for not doing that. Just to clarify, the DCYF agent used this guy's statement about... No, this is rebutting her statement. The DCY- How would she know that your kid was running around in a restaurant? Uh, they were watching us. Oh. Yeah, they were at the restaurant watching us. We that's weren't creepy. aware of that. Yep, that's very creepy. Um, <clears throat> uh, anyways, uh, let me go back here. Oh, uh, the patio is at least 12 foot wide, 24 foot long, perhaps even longer. This door doesn't exit directly into the parking lot or street. The father was paying close attention to the child and continuously and immediately uh, brought her back inside. Now, mm-hmm. we were in there for like an hour, an hour and a half talking to this guy. Yeah, meeting. it's a long so, time for so a kid. Basically, they just run around. And what we, we go to there like once a month. And we'll, when we're done eating, uh, me and the kids will go outside. And it's like plates. They got like a, it's a maple syrup operation they have there. It's sure. pretty cool. We're just yeah. like, we just go run around the property. It's a big, nice property. Um, <clears throat> this is the uh, Intervale Pancake House, Hennepin, okay. New Hampshire. Great family restaurant. Uh, obviously, if I believed a child was in danger, I would have stepped in, but I did not, as mm-hmm. a child was being appropriately cared for. I later attempted to put this in perspective for Attorney Baker. That's I a wanna, DCYF attorney? That's an attorney from DCYF, and yeah. I want to know about this attorney. Mm-hmm. I want somebody that is there to whistleblow on this attorney. These people are extremely corrupt. Many of us who had worked with the public have had the opportunity to meet individuals and families who share a variety of beliefs. It is not important that we agree with their beliefs, but it is important that we consider and respect them. Hmm. Mr. Noon and his wife share a belief system that impacts their perspective on government and law enforcement. Unfortunately, when I relayed their beliefs and the need to be sensitive to their beliefs to the DCYF caseworkers, they dismissed the family values as a laughing matter. Hmm. This is unprofessional, is unproductive, and harmful to an amicable uh, resolution of this matter. Instead of that's taking, not what they want, right? Yeah, they want to escalate. <laughs> they want to steal kids. They want to use their tanks against mm-hmm. people. They want to use their SWAT teams. Instead of taking the time to understand his family's lifestyle and adjust to their approach for the best interest of the children, the caseworkers have refused to cooperate or in any way modify their approach, despite my urging and years of experience. Hmm. Upon review of the March 28th order. In an attempt to discuss the order with DCYF, I was told that no off-the-record conversation with DCYF would be permitted. This is very concerning to my agency who was engaged to work with DCYF openly to provide background information and insight and now has to worry that all that information provided will be used or manipulated in court. Hmm. While no one in this agency recalls using the term anti-government, lookouts, dangerous, or compound, those words have now been attributed to my officers and department in a court order. Information erroneously provided by DCYF. Is he saying DCYF 
made those allegations based on what they're saying his officers were claiming? That's what DCYF said in their affidavit. And that he's saying that's not true. He's saying that's not true. Wow. The social worker, Melissa Coombs, mm-hmm. uh, who has adopted children, has said that uh, Henniker PD told her that we were a free stater, anti-government, dangerous, and live on a compound with lookouts. And this is what they put in an ex parte hearing mm-hmm. into the evidence, into this family court. To get the order. To get the order. Where mm-hmm. I can't even defend myself. Right. Because I don't even know what's going on. And he's saying that's all false. Yes. It is troublesome that these words will be put into a court document when they could easily inflame the situation and no way to help it. I'm curious. I mean, I don't know enough about you know how these ex parte orders work, but... Do you are you under uh, oath when you tell a judge what yes. you're saying? So yes. so this woman lied to a judge yes. under oath. Yes, the, the, this says uh, I swear under oath. There's a notary stamp on it. Yes, this is straight up perjury. That's perjury. Okay. Yes, very right. much. And she's got a whole bunch of parasites within DCYF, like this attorney Baker, mm-hmm. this attorney Ross McLeod. You know, these scumbags are totally you know taking the burden on for this uh, other scumbag named Melissa Coombs, and uh, they are uh, you know and they're they're. There's a conspiracy to deprive me of my rights yeah. and my family going on here. Oh, I bet you uh, they're not going to do a damn thing about this perjury either. I bet you can you can take this evidence right into the uh, you know state cops and they'll do nothing. But probably or the attorney general. They'll uh, do absolutely nothing. Yes, there is a clear. But lack. you should get them on the yeah. record doing nothing. You should try right. it and see what right. happens. Well, we're gonna, yeah. and we already have a little bit. There is a clear lack of understanding of how these terms could inflame and offend people involved. On April 1st, my agency accompanied DCYF to the family's residence for an attempt to conduct a home assessment per the court order. It should be noted that this was not planned with my agency. Prior to this attempt, I had notified DCYF that the family conveyed to me multiple times it would not consent to an assessment. And you don't have to do this assessment. Mm-hmm. Actually, you have to sign a, a form giving them consent to do this assessment. I bet you do. Uh, this, um, You've got to contract with them to get right. them into your life even further. Despite these notices, DCYF insisted on, insisted on conducting unannounced visits at the noon residence. Mm. Surprisingly and consistently with my prior interactions um, <clears throat> or my prior contacts with Mr. Noon, Mr. Noon advised the officers in DCYF he would not consent to the assessment by DCYF. This thing he's talking about is on my YouTube channel, uh, Jay Noon. You can go see the video of, uh, I believe it says Noon versus DCYF or mm-hmm. DCYF goons. On April 3rd, Mr. Noon contacted me and stated he would allow myself and or two other specific Henniker police officers to conduct the assessment and interview with the child. I relayed this directly to Attorney Baker, who stated, Henniker PD is not qualified and there is no compromising, despite the fact that this is contemplated and permitted per the court's March 28th order. Hmm. Now, this is a little, he's quoting the order here, a police officer, juvenile probation and parole officer or child protection service worker shall enter the premises of the child in furtherance of the Department of Health and Human Services investigation to assess the immediate safety and well-being of the children. So it's good enough for the judge, but not good enough for DCYF. That's correct. Mm -hmm. It is ludicrous to me that my lieutenant, who is a biological mother of two children, a stepmother of two children, has extensive training in interviewing child victims of sexual domestic violence has participated in countless forensic interviews with victims of abuse in her 17-year career, is not qualified to conduct a home assessment arising from an incident of a two-year-old being left unattended in a vehicle. On April 5th, DCYF requested another unannounced home visit for the following day. 
Knowing that it would be like it would likely be futile, I inquired as to whether they knew if Mr. Noon's position on the assessment had changed since their last interaction. DCYF was seemingly disappointed with my continued interest in the matter and my advising that Mr. Noon would, however, be amendable to my officers completing the assessment. I was not attempting to negotiate some different resolution, but trying to resolve the matter without causing unnecessary upset. Hmm. On April 6th, Mr. Noon contacted me by via phone, asking me to asking to meet with me regarding the order consenting to HPD conducting the home assessment. I explained to Mr. Noon the position of DCYS as of this writing two weeks ha- uh, 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 the position of DCYF. Period. As of this writing, two weeks have passed since my last correspondent with anyone from DCYF. Notably, if the concern is for the welfare of the children, then any immediate intervention investigation regarding the living arrangements in the house in the home should be paramount. <laughs> Therefore, if the family is agreeable to Henniker Police Department conducting an inspection, then why is DCYF not permitting this immediate inspection? DCYF's position is ne- is neglect or is nonsensical. Uh, not going into the into this home if DCYF actually believes that the children are neglected is clearly mm. not in the best interest of the children. Right. So he's saying that if it were actually their interest to help these kids, if they're truly in danger, then assuredly having some cops who know how to take care of kids in his ca- in this lieutenant's case in there would be better than nothing. And they're saying, no, it's either our way or the highway. Waiting for the contempt uh, proceedings to play out will take time, and time is of the essence. If the division, he's talking about DCYF, truly believes these children are unsafe, there have been been suggestions that my agency uh, would not do as thorough as an assessment as DCYF or are somehow less experienced in doing so. While I disagree... I would per- propose that DCYF provide some sort of guideline as to the areas in which they would like to review, inspect, to avoid any failure of the officers in doing so. Mm-hmm. And like I said, mm-hmm. this is incomplete. That's all I got there. But that is what got the motion to uh, vacate removed on April 27th, 2022. And the very next thing that happened on April 27th, 2022 is a warrant was issued for my wife's arrest. Oh, how convenient. How convenient. Yeah. And these agencies work together and they cover up. Mm-hmm. How convenient that we have a career Karen who has a fishy relationship status, based on what we can tell, that mm-hmm. worked in the Merrimack County Prosecutor's Office. And these Still uh, does. DC, yeah, and these DCYF uh, you know, agents work in that office and they mm-hmm. communicate with that office. Um, and, and I think that there is a conspiracy going on here to harvest children. Mm. And I'm looking for whistleblowers uh, and also... If you're a lawyer or an attorney or you're somebody that knows one uh, uh, that is is uh, got some teeth that is a pit bull that wants to go after these scumbags in, in New and, Hampshire, in New Hampshire mm-hmm. I don't care where you are because you can just you know reference, but um, it, we we need to straighten this out. And this is um, all of this is happening because the government has the ability to just print up money out of thin air, and you know. And, and, and Ian, they're going after you because you were giving people the ability to get away from the fiat dollar, mm-hmm. you know, with the crypto six. And this is where all of the, um, you know, energy of the state comes from. The fact that they have the exclusive monopoly on printing money out of thin air 
and they can just keep on giving it to a bunch of pencil-pushing parasites that can go and just ruin and destroy lives. Absolutely true. Let's go to the phones here. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi, this is Kathleen calling from Montana. Kathleen, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? I was just listening to the uh, three sixes that somebody was talking about. Okay. <laughs> Ian and the height money, and we know what the other six inches is. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> it yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah. like 666. Six, six. It sounds like Satan to me, Satan's number there. You That's know funny. I'm that number came up women? twice tonight. Yeah, I didn't yeah, even yeah, re- really yeah. realize it. Thanks for putting that together. Yes, and uh, I thought to myself, wow, if that's what women are interested in, they've lost and lost the boat, man. I'm, mm. I'm not interested in those three sixes. I'm a single independent woman, and I love it. And uh, I have four sons. My husband died several years ago. And it's like, man, they have missed the boat. Aren't you glad <laughs> you're a mom? I am. I truly am. I was a tomboy growing up, and I was glad I had four sons. You better believe it. And the single independent life is for me after their father, my husband, died. And it was like I said, look, I'm staying single now, buddy. (laughs) When they tried to set me up on a blind date after two years their father was gone, I said, I'm not interested. If you like them so much, you go with them. (laughs) Well, hey, good for you for, you know, living the life that you want to live. I think that's that's a great thing. Yes, Ian, and uh, I wish you well with everything that happens in the future. I enjoy listening to you. Thank you for the call tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Jay, how can people get in touch with you if they have some whistleblowing they want yes, to do? Yes, uh, contact me at j at jnoon.com. That is J-A-Y at J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E dot com. It's j at jnoon with an E dot com. And uh, out of time for tonight, we will continue this, I'm sure, Jay. At yes. Point. Uh, We'll see you tomorrow night online. In the meantime, you can join us over at freetalklive.com. And don't forget our social media site at social.freetalklive.com. See you tomorrow. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com